0: The opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Topeka Capital Journal, CJ Online, or Morris Communications.
1: It's time for Jim Cates at CJ Online News, Opinion, Interviews, and Community Conversation, live and online. Join Jim and his guests by calling 295-1150-1150 or emailing jim.kates at cjonline.com. And now, from the Topeka Capital Journal and cjonline.com, here's the dean of talk radio in Topeka, Jim Cates.
2: Well, good morning, Topeka. This hour is brought to you in part by our good friends at Brickhouse Antiques, 37th and Brilliant Game, just one block off of I-470. And, folks, if you're looking to buy or sell antiques, either one, Brickhouse Antiques, this needs to be your go-to place. They're open seven days a week. Their phone number, if you've got something for sale or something that uh, specifically you're looking for, you can always give the two gals out there a call at 266-6000, Brickhouse Antiques, 37th and Burlingame. Good morning, Doug Mays. Good morning, Jim. When When did you move... When?
3: When did you move?
2: Uh, first of September. And you're now outside the city. You're now
3: in the county. Yeah. Uh, so you're uh, not. I'm out on the. Uh, I'm so far west, uh, just about five houses from Indian Hills Road. I, I like to say I'm on the edge of civilization. <laughs> Which means you're
2: out of the city. You're not going to be a candidate for mayor in three years, unless you decide to move back in the city.
3: Or unless. The because city, Sherwood is the not part of the city of that area, uh-huh. and I don't. I don't anticipate <laughs> that. No, I'm. I'm a member of the rural part of the uh, county. Who to fuck it? Well, you're now the second uh, former city, third uh, former
2: city council member that has moved to Lake Sherwood. What's you one realize one? there's two others out there? No. Landy Kennedy. Yeah. Now lives in the Lake Sherwood community and Jim Gardner.
3: You know, we should get together, form a coffee clash, sit around and gripe about the city (laughs) full time. (laughs) Well, let's uh, include the county if we're going to
2: complain. Let's include the county in this $2.1 million they attempted to steal from the city. And this is coming from somebody that lives outside the city. I'm just so incensed that we still potentially can waste $150,000. 7% of this money at question, we're just going to screw off and spend on the possibility of a special election. I am so incensed with well, this
3: I, county commission. I thought the latest uh, proposal was maybe to stick it on, on the uh, municipal March election 1st. ballot. Yeah, yeah well, that well it, it. I'm not sure this municipal, municipal election ballot. Yeah, that's everyone in the
2: county. But Yeah, yeah, this one impacts us all. Well, we'll see where this thing goes. Uh, Shelley Bueller again, is starting to, starting to show. A little resistance to Commissioner Miller, so we'll see what happens. I'll tell you, we're going to be taking a look at all of our uh, Tuesday night races. Let's start with the county commission race. Shelley Beeler, uh-huh. she won. Uh-huh. She ran against uh, somebody that had a name uh, recognition of maybe two percent in the district.
3: Yeah, she had an R after her name in that that district, and uh, you know that's that's quite an accomplishment. I think it says something about. Uh, how people feel about her personally, and uh, how, you know, how the kind of job they think she's done.
2: I would have predicted, you know, up until this p- petition fiasco, Shelley Bueller was going to win 80-20 because she's a hardworking, dedicated member of the county commission. I uh, think this I whole agree. petition fiasco cost her 20 points because Carol Marple. Uh, my wife knows Carol. Mm-hmm. I've never met the woman, never seen her, don't know anything about her other than what Nancy has told me, and Nancy said she's a nice lady. But Carol Marple was a total unknown and spent no money that I know of campaigning.
4: Shelly Bueller should have won this.
2: She got a few signs
3: up, and that helped, I think.
2: Well, I talked to a lot of people. Uh, not a lot of people, but everybody that was talking about this race was going to vote no on Shelly Bueller. That would have been a yes vote 90 days ago. Uh-huh. This, one, this
3: whole petition issue cost her a lot of votes, in my opinion. Uh,
5: Your thoughts?
3: Well, she didn't do as well this time as last time, but, you know, Shelley is either one of the craftiest politicians I've ever seen or, or just darn lucky. Uh, but being a quality uh, civil servant uh, has something to do with that, too. She seems to be very thoughtful in her approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, very quiet, uh, a little bit like Ted Inslee. Uh, She uh, Inslee. It, it, it doesn't surprise me that she has a following out there and name recognition. You know, you can't. You can't deny the name recognition. But, you know, when you're when you're an independent and one party doesn't put up uh, anyone else, you know, doesn't feel a candidate, you're probably going to inherit those. Plus, you know, if ever there was a year to run as an independent, this was probably an independent or Republican. So she, she picked up uh, a lot of people who didn't want to vote for one party or the other, people that uh, voted for it because of the name recognition, and a lot of Democrats.
2: Yeah. Well, Shelley, again, I think would have had, you know, some serious opposition, a serious opponent, because Shelley is a registered independent. It's an overwhelmingly Republican district. Right. If somebody would have thought they really could have beat Shelley Wheeler. Well, last, going back to last April or May, Shelley Wheeler was one of the more popular elected officials in Shawnee County. Yeah. She's not one of the more popular elected officials now. I think a serious, a serious opponent could have taken her out. And I, And I like Shelley Beeler. We've got so many friends in Rossville that say yeah. the Buehler family, this is such a respected family, they're just good people. Right. But she got under Vic Miller's spell or, well, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> whatever happened, it was bad. <laughs> but she survived. So I'm sure in the next four years uh, she'll attempt well, to rectify from some of the yeah. craziness of this issue. Right. Hey, a sad note <laughs> before we get too deep into the show. Doug, I'm sure you you're, you're going to remember the name. I got a call last night from Willis Ringan, a uh, long-time listener of the show, good friend, mm-hmm. and informed me that Ralph Clark passed away. Oh, and I uh know yeah. That. And folks, uh that was Ralph from Vermillion. For those of you that have listened to the show for a number of years, uh Ralph passed away last week. I was unaware of it and I attempted to call Ralph's
3: wife Diana, this morning was unable to get in touch with her. So Ralph was one of the more interesting people <laughs> that uh, called in on your show.
4: Absolutely.
3: I always loved it when he called in.
2: Yeah, great guy, you know, and I got to know Ralph and Diana. They showed up at a uh, couple of remotes. And
3: I think I asked you uh, what Ralph looked like, and he said, he looks just like he sounds. <coughs> no, I really didn't. didn't. Well, Very
2: distinguished looking.
3: Uh, I had a
2: little goatee. Um, really?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we didn't have this conversation. No. I thought
2: uh-huh, we did.
6: Uh-uh. Okay.
2: And Ralph and Diane are not at all what you would picture, uh, both of them. You know, people very seldom are. When you hear a voice on radio, you try to put a face with it. You wouldn't put a face with Ralph. I mean, just really had kind of a distinguished, a young Colonel Sanders look, I guess. Because Ralph was only 69 when he passed away. (laughs) <laughs> no, I like that.
3: Huh? Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it. maybe I'll grow I go for the young Colonel Sanders look. <laughs>
2: Doug Mays is my guest. Uh, Doug is a former House Speaker, former State Representative, former member of the City Council. Yeah. Are you doing anything currently? I mean, you've got a great uh, resume as far as former accomplishments.
3: Doing anything now? Uh, politically, no. Uh, not really. Uh, uh, doing a little lobbying. Oh sure I'm done yep. lobbying uh, I do that and uh, I helped out a lot of candidates uh, around the state during the uh, the last election and a few here I, uh, I got involved in one or two of the statewide races uh, pretty you know not heavily but uh, uh, you know I spent a lot of time on that and now it's time to look towards the legislative session but the um, uh, now you know the transition is very important so I think I'll have some input there.
2: Yeah, and uh, the official transition team, It's uh, Senator Brownback, Governor-elect Brownback said yesterday, it's an eclectic group, to say the least. I
3: think eclectic's a good word. Yeah,
2: yeah, it really is. There's some people serving on this transition team that probably weren't the most passionate of Brownback supporters, but but it's a group that uh, certainly has some experience under the belt. But let's talk about Tuesday. First, Doug Mays, the biggest surprise, either A, locally or B, statewide. What re- Was there any race that really surprised you? Uh, gosh, you let me see. You just didn't see that train coming down the
3: track. Well, I think the overall uh, number of, of uh, Democrat uh, incumbents that lost their seats was a surprise to almost everyone, uh, not the least of which would be the Democrats. But even the uh, Republican leadership... Uh, They had a goal, I think, of picking up from 7 to 10. Had no idea they were going to actually end up with with 16 uh, seats and uh, uh, the number of uh, uh, Democrats that that were beaten. And some of them, uh, I don't think uh, the Republicans paid a lot of attention to the uh, leadership. The party paid a great deal of attention to a couple of races. They had kind of written them off due to the demographics in the district. But you look at, at... Excuse Just me. Just hit your clock no. button. And Where's the button? There well, let's see what. There you <coughs> go. Okay. Doug Mays is my not, guest. Not used to get down to bed four <laughs> ten, no, I'm Sorry. Um, there, there was one down a uh, Melody Barnes down in Wichita, and uh, you know Melody had represented that district, and then it was it was Tom Sawyer's district. Now that's that's how uh, how uh, it favored Democrats so much, and uh, a guy named Benny Bowman who had ran in that district against Sawyer two years ago and just got obliterated, ran this time, and he won. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and If you look at the turnout, I don't think there were 2,000 people who voted in that district, so yeah. that that will tell you what the turnout was like in the, in the uh, inner city um, and in your heavily Democratic districts, uh, as, as this one was. It was in the center of Wichita, kind of on the east side. <clears throat> and it was totally unexpected so yeah, uh, the and republicans think,
2: picked up what 16 seats 16 seats total in the house now the republicans out of 125 house members now have gone over the magic 90 they now uh, have uh, 94
3: 94
2: republicans that doesn't leave many seats left for the democrats then
3: 31 31 wow that's the highest uh, number I, I when i came in as speaker <coughs> it was um, we had 84 and that was the highest it has been since the 70, early 70s. Uh, this is the highest it's been since the 50s. Doug Mays,
2: are we going to see now? Senator Brownbeck, <coughs> uh, Governor elect Brownbeck, obviously right of center. I think uh, he's going to be a hard yeah. charger on holding the line on spending. Uh, we have to go back to the Joan Fenny days to where we really had a governor serious about uh, holding the line on government spending. I really believe that uh, Governor elect Brownbeck will do that. But is his challenge going to be in the state Senate, which has been over the past many, many years, uh, a very liberal body? Now, even though it's Republican, and this is truly rhino, Republican in a name only for years, now that we've got a true Republican governor, are we going to see the Senate take a philosophical shift to the right? Or do you think they're going to stick to the guns and remain the left of center crowd that they've always been. What's going to well, happen? Because the state senate, I think, is the key. Don't you? The house yeah. is going to be conservative,
3: uh, right? I mean, there's more than enough votes to crap. do whatever they want in the, in the yeah. house. Conservative votes. The, the coalition between the Democrats and the moderates is gone. It's uh, in the senate, uh, in the house, they may have a coalition, but uh, there just aren't the numbers. Yeah. The senate's in their own. Uh, they're in their own election cycle now, and you know these guys aren't dumb. They they looked at what was going on uh, and uh, they've seen their districts go uh, in some cases completely. Uh, all of the state reps in their senate district are conservatives, and a good many of them. And they got to wonder, you know, what's going on here. We also have going to have to draw a map now. They won't be running on that map, um, I don't believe. Usually it's the, uh, oh, yeah, they will be this time. Last time they had to wait two years. But uh, I I really believe that they're going to try to work with Senator Brownback. And I know Senator Brown governor Leck Brownback, has uh, uh, reached out to them and has talked to leadership. You're going to have a new majority leader. That's going to be interesting to see who that is. Uh, Jay Emler is someone that's talked about quite a bit for a majority leader. And you may notice he's on the transition Transition team. So uh, I think that uh, Senator Morse will work with Brownback as much as possible. But
2: you still have the John Vrettles of the world, Uh, with all due respect to Senator Vrettles. He's uh, to the left of center of 90% of the Democrats in the state Senate. Uh You've got Senator Brungard out of Salina. Do you think they're going to come around to form this...
3: Some will, that we're really going, depend, going to depends on what you're working on. If you're if you're working on uh, the the issues that divide Republicans are the uh, the social issues, and uh, I th- I really believe that number one job this session coming up, number one job is going to be the budget and the economy in Kansas, the same as it is in Washington or should be. Uh, the, the social issues divide, and when you get around to education and the funding of education, that That uh, is where uh, Republicans part sometimes. So uh, we've got a lawsuit. That lawsuit is going to take a long time to wind its way Mm -hmm. through the courts, a couple of years at least. I really think that the Senate will work with the governor on his budget Mm -hmm. and uh, try to get things under control here. Uh, You're going to uh, have some folks that are going to be very sensitive about uh, uh, how much money is spent on education. but. I think everyone recognizes that we're in a pretty, uh, still a pretty desperate situation here. The only reason the budget was balanced last time was because the federal government sent us half a billion dollars. Well, we just about burned through that money now. And uh, with caseloads and and, uh, additional students enrolling, uh, they could be somewhere between 300 and 500 million dollars underwater going into the session. Now, I, I do believe that the economy is growing in Kansas at a rate of 2% or maybe a little better. It's one of the very few states, I think maybe there's 15 states in the country, the economy is actually growing. Uh, and that will help. That will pick up 50 to 150 million dollars uh, uh, throughout the, the session and, uh, as the estimates begin to come in. But at the same time, they've, they've got to find a place to cut. And this is not going to be a pleasant job. And I, I have to believe that the state senate is going to get behind uh, the governor. I hope, except
2: we've seen our state senate possibly take a turn to the left. As a result, you know, we talk about all the conservative games on election night. Our state senate's not one of them. And the reason I say that, folks, we're losing Tim camp. We're losing a great voice in the state senate. He will be replaced, I'm sure, with somebody somewhat to the right of center that won't compare with Actually, Tim the,
3: I can't think of the person's name, but the person that uh, most people believe he has, uh, uh, and he'll have a lot to say about who it is, is uh, a protege of his. And he may not be the fire breather that, that Tim Heelskin is, be. Uh, will. a trait yeah. which is going to make him a wonderful congressman.
6: Yeah.
3: Uh, but, but this person, you, know, you shouldn't doubt how conservative this is going to be. that's encouraging. Now, for you, we lost Senator Barnett.
2: Uh, Senator Barnett was a loss in the respect that every other year he was running for state office and then he was voting conservative. (laughs) The years that Barnett wasn't running for statewide office, he was to the left of center. But he's replaced by somebody possibly that's going to be a four-year left of center vote from what I'm hearing out of Emporia. Not good. You you never can Uh,
3: tell until they get in there and start voting. You never can tell. Who knows? Yeah.
2: And Collier uh, is going to be replaced by somebody that certainly is not as conservative as Jeff Collier. Oh, no, I, I, I right wouldn't so.
3: bet on that. You know, Ray really? Merrick lives in that district, and Ray Merrick may be me interested in that. Oh, okay.
2: Okay. Well, that would be a wash then. Okay. Then we've got a uh, situation in Independence.
3: And Derek Smith, yeah, I don't know what's happening in Independence. Yeah, two, you probably two people down the there,
2: much better than I do.
3: Well, you've got Jeff King, who lives in Independence, and you have Virgil Peck, who ran for that Senate seat and lost several years ago. Uh-huh. Now, Peck is the conservative. King would be
2: the moderate slice liberal
3: uh, Yeah, yeah, but, you know, even on, uh, on budget issues and business issues, uh, King is there. Uh, okay. I, I think he would be slightly to the right of, of uh, Derek Schmidt when he was a senator. Uh, but uh, although Derek you know, has trended to the right over the last few years, too. But uh, Virgil Peck, uh, that would be a big shift to the right. Yeah. Okay. So there's some hope then. Okay. Very good. That's good news.
2: Well, no I mean, racist, it's close. I
3: the, the split between between moderate and and conservative in the Senate is close. Very close. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at 15, 15,
2: roughly thereabouts, and mm-hmm. you know, with a vote or two that can shift either way. Doug, let's take a look at um, our state uh, statewide winners. Any surprise? Frankly, I was surprised that uh, McKinney, our state treasurer, lost because McKinney's got some name identification. Mm -hmm. Fairly clean uh, voting record. Uh, Came out of Greensburg, so there was going to be some sympathy vote, frankly, for McKinney. Running against uh, Ron Estes. I don't know Ron well, nice guy, but with no name identification outside of Sedgwick County. Didn't see that train coming down the track. I thought if there was going to be you know that one Democrat that the republicans were going to pull the lever for probably would have been dennis mckinney
3: yeah, in years past uh... if you've you've had a year or two as incumbent, you usually get elected but uh... someone put it to me when uh... when we were discussing the, the statewide ahead of time i asked about dennis mckinney and, and i'm proud to say dennis mckinney is a good friend of mine i'm an admirer of dennis mckinney's but uh, uh... i think he knew what was coming too uh... in the last month or so <laughs> But this person told me, he said, "It's it's a Republican state and it's a Republican year, and the, the statewide's are going to have a tough time if they're Democrats." So you saw
2: the sweep coming. Yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't, you know, because everybody was talking about this AG's race was going to be close, and I, frankly, I thought Steve Six's ads were good ads. Oh, they, and, they were, and they were. Uh, Derek weren't. Smith just blew blew Six away.
3: I think Six's ads were put together by somebody way out of state. You know, they wanted to talk about title loan. Companies
2: payday, payday loans. Loan. Well, they're a sleazy <laughs> operators. That's a sleazy outfit.
3: Yeah, but go. Uh-huh. Let's go out and let's walk down the street and ask people how they feel about payday loans.
7: And I'm telling you,
3: most a lot of people don't know what payday loans are. Yeah. It's not a big issue to, but but maybe 10 percent of the public. Yeah. And and to the, the people, it's a big issue for. Probably we're going to vote for Steve Six anyway. But then for Steve Six. That's a good point because that would
2: tap yeah. into your low income. Yeah. Democrat vote. You're right.
3: But then, but 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 it. But when his advertisement. It's such a slimy
2: industry. Slimy. But you know, Smith. The one thing that Smith should have done, and my, well, I guess he shouldn't have because he won the race. But six actually has received more money from that slimy industry than Smith had. Yes. And why Smith didn't come back and say, "Hey, you know, I." Because I
3: think Smith's people figured out that 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 was a bad ad. It did not change any votes. And the pictures they put on there of, of Derek Schmidt weren't bad. You know, usually you look for some place where the person looks stupid. Yeah. Or they're doing something crazy or they got, you know, a, a big frown on their face or something. They showed him at work. They showed him in the, in the Senate addressing the... I mean, it, if you turn down the sound... Yeah. And I did one. I had it muted and it came up. You know, you only had to watch... 10 minutes uh, the last two weeks <laughs> in order to see both a Six and a Schmidt ad. And I saw them yeah. run back to back several times. <laughs> God, the, mu- the amount of money they spent. But I-, I looked at that and I said, you know, this kind of looks like a Derek Schmidt commercial. Yeah. You know? And and they always put Six in black and white. You always put the incumbent in color to yeah. differentiate from the guys in black and white who are bad, you know. Good point. And Good then, point. And then mm-hmm. they set themselves up. And this is why I think it was some out-of-state consultants came in, because who in the world said that Steve Six should get on TV and say, I'm the only experienced prosecutor in this race? Yeah. When he would prosecuted three cases, granted, they were first-degree murder cases, pretty mm-hmm. much slam dunk. Uh, three cases successfully. I mean, that, that's that's uh, first attorney general to go in the courtroom in a long time. That's what he should have talked about. Yeah. But to call himself an experienced prosecutor, Derek Schmidt's never prosecuted. Derek Schmidt's never prosecuted a felony, but as a uh, county attorney or city attorney, I can't remember which city. I think yeah, city, mm-hmm. uh, He did domestic uh, violence cases. Mm-hmm. He did shoplifting cases. He did fraud mm-hmm. cases. He did all kinds of stuff, and that is a prosecutor, even though it's at the local level. So, they left themselves wide open for the follow up commercial, which they waited a while on. They came back and said, Steve Six says he's an experienced prosecutor, but he's only been in court three times. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they didn't, you know, you don't know, help your, your opponent usually, and so they didn't say. Uh, granted, they were death penalty cases and difficult, you know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, about as difficult kind of case as you can, but they left themselves wide open. And then when Schmidt came back, they never answered him.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: So he had, it It, it was a huge, event. and I'll tell you your, why. Your, we, your we point's
2: well taken, and I guess I was looking at, uh, I, because I, I'm glad that Schmidt won, obviously. I like Derek Schmidt. Yeah. He's a bright, bright individual. But I was looking at these six commercials because I think these you know, payday loan outfits are so sleazy, so slimy, they ought to be run out of the state. On well, a
3: why don't you vote against uh, Derek Schmidt, if you hate him so bad.
2: Well, because Six got uh, more money than Schmidt did. It was uh, an
3: issue. That's why, and they, and they hung their hat on that yeah. issue. And oh. it, it, you know, if you, you got a million dollars to spend on TV in Kansas in a three-week oh. period, I'd sure make sure I had some good ads. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and here's another thing: he had a million dollars. Kathleen Sebelius, you, you talk about someone who knew how to run for a statewide office. She knew how to run. She started advertising before the primary. And she would, she would advertise heavy after the primary, and by the time September 1st came around, she had totally defined herself in the minds of the people.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: And everywhere she went, she was a celebrity, because she was that person who was on TV. And then she'd spend the next two months defining her opponent. And by the time the middle of September, the first of October rolled around, it was over. It was probably over by September 1, in most cases, but it's over. I mean, that's very smart. He had a million dollars. Coming out of the primary, he should have been on the air right away. Six did, should have, and and defined himself. And then whenever he made appearances, it would be a big deal. People would talk, and and it would have been an uphill battle for uh, Derek Schmidt. He probably still would have won in this yeah. particular year. <coughs> Your points well but taken. I think, I think that you know Steve Six was a a sellable commodity in this state. And his campaign blew it. Jim.Kates at Cgonline.com if you've got a question or a comment. Former
2: House Speaker Doug Mays is my guest. So there. We're analyzing uh, Tuesday's race. And <clears throat> as you say, six had a ton of money because nobody was going to contribute to Holland. If that was the Democrat activist, everybody knew Holland Most was D6 going six used down. to be a
3: trial lawyer, too.
2: Well, and six was the you only, only place money. you could go with your money if you were a Democrat, if you were trying to retain a Democrat in office that could possibly hit up the party in years to come. Holland wasn't going to be the answer. Everybody knew that, but six there was a possibility. So right. Derek Smith, my hat's certainly off to Derek Smith. Hey, by the way, coming up next Friday on the folks, as far as the lineup of guests, Monday we're going to get away from politics. Tim is going to be with us talking about city hall and courthouse issues Monday at 8. And then coming in at a time, 9 o'clock, Kevin Haskin. And we're just going to spend an hour talking about sports. We haven't done that in two or three months. Now next Friday at 8 o'clock, joining me at 8 o'clock, former Shawnee County Sheriff Dave Menealy is going to be my guest. So.
3: There's a blast from the
2: past. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a, that's going to be an interesting show. Coming up uh, in about 20 minutes or so, I see we've got Risa Quinn and Bill Griffin out in the lobby, and they're going to be talking about the upcoming Kansas Bowl, and then Tom Erskine, TV 49 News, and uh, John Arnold, they'll be with us shortly after 9 to talk about the top stories of the week. Doug Mays, looking at Shawnee County election results, unless well, I uh, talk about legislative results, we've talked about the Shelley Beeler race. Do you see any shining star uh, emerge as a result of our Shawnee County races, Republican or Democrat?
3: Oh, yeah, that's easy to pick out. Becky Neoshi. Becky Neosi, uh, I think, surprised everyone, not the least of which was uh, Annie Teeth. <coughs> uh, she turned out to be a stellar uh, campaigner, tireless campaigner. She wasn't going door to door. She was out on some street waving at the cars. I saw her on Wanamaker. I heard she was on, uh, gosh, 10th Street. And she worked as hard as any candidate I've seen, and she connected with people. And she came within 240 votes, something like that, of uh, overturning a uh, uh, an incumbent that uh, I think was fairly popular in the district. Yeah, so, Annie uh, Teets has been
2: on the show. Well, Becky has, too. Annie yeah. Teats folks, uh likable individual if you were to meet her. But on tax and spend issues, last year her voting record, she maintained, uh, I think she had the same record the year before, a solid zero rating. In other words, she was wrong 100% of the time. And as you say, Becky Neosi impressed me as a candidate, hard worker, tireless campaigner, yeah. and truly had a belief system. Uh, I'm impressed with Becky. I think you're. I I wonder if
3: they didn't send if the uh, Democratic State Party didn't send out this. There there was a a postcard that they sent out Mm -hmm. to various campaigns around the state with hogs on it. Did you did you get one of those? Mm -hmm. Uh, They went after Lana Gordon. They went after uh, Karen Tyson, and several of them. And it was one of the most juvenile, idiotic pieces I've ever seen. Uh, and and they were going after people like Neosi, who have no voting record, and saying that uh, uh, what'll well, say Karen Tyson, because I know for sure she got one. Karen Tyson's uh, number one supporter uh, says that uh, women, and children, and veterans are uh, uh, are hogs at the trough. I think there was some comment made about social service recipients or something. It hmm. pictures mm-hmm. the hogs on there, and <coughs> oink oink oink, and everything. And the, the bottom line was uh, Karen Tyson is an oinking radical. Now, that offended some people.
6: <clears throat> that
3: offended a lot of people. <coughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, I know they were trying to humor, but you, you probably remember and, uh, in your experience in politics, the most dangerous thing to do in any campaign in politics is try to be funny.
6: <laughs> it,
3: it will always come back on you. And what people are looking at who they're going to vote for, they don't want jokes they don't want yeah. cynicism. They want they want you to tell them where where you stand. Yeah. And that that helped put Karen Tyson over the top. I mean, a lot of people didn't think Karen Tyson was going to win. This is uh, down around Fort Scott. Uh-huh. And she beat uh, an incumbent Shirley Palmer down there 2 to 1 not two to one, it was 60-40. Yeah. 60-40. Yeah. And Karen
2: uh Karen's dad served in the state senate, Bob yeah. Tyson, and uh, a very Conservative vote when it came to tax and spend issues. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Bob, I've got a lot of respect for her, and Karen as well. That was a good one. So you're looking at Becky Neosi.
3: Becky Neosi in Shawnee County, I think, mm-hmm. was the star of this time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw some weakness elsewhere. Ann Ma. Uh, uh, Laverne Abney is a nice guy, okay? Uh, I think probably ran a classic front porch campaign. And she only got about 60% of the vote against him, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, that that indicates to me that so there's some vulnerability there. And also, you should keep in mind that the districts are going to be redrawn before this next
2: election. There, now, you take Ann and uh, Annie Teets' district, uh, and Becky Neosi, you're right, came within a couple of hundred votes, uh, toppling uh, Annie Teets over. But the last time that seat was held by a Republican was, it's been at least 30 years, hasn't it?
3: Maybe, maybe Wally Buck. No, Wally Buck. Uh, no, that was uh, Ralph Skoog. Pete. Ralph Skoog, I think, had that. It had Potwin in it. Possibly. Still the Potwin district.
6: So Ralph Skoog. That would have been 40 then, years.
3: Yeah, Ralph Skoog. Uh, Ruth Wilkin, I think, was the first Democrat that took it. Then Judy Ronalds, uh, Kathleen Sebelius. Uh, I don't know. There's been a long list, yeah. I'm
2: missing somebody. Uh, fellow Democrats. Yeah, Jan. Uh, yeah, you are. I'm trying to think who that would be. But the same thing, really, for Ann Malls district. Now, if you take a look at registration, Ann Malls district appears to be a Republican district. 50-50. Yeah. And a suburban district, what have you.
6: Uh,
3: That seat's
2: been held by a Democrat for at Uh, least uh, 30 years.
3: Oh, uh, more like, let's see, I think Ralph Skoog probably... No, Ann Mall. Well, no, oh, Ann Mall's district, oh gosh, you'd have to go back for Charlie Laird. That would be 40 years. G- uh, upwards of 40 years, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. But again, that's a district because of the changing demographics. The Republicans could possibly
3: win that one. Oh, Ann Mall's district is now, oh gosh, I think uh, there may be close to 10% more Republicans than Democrats now. Yeah. <coughs> yeah.
2: So, there's a couple of possibilities for the Republicans to pick up in years to come hey, an interesting <laughs> vote that's going to be taken in the not too distant future that's going to impact one of our congressmen elect uh, is this vote for the number four slot on House leadership back in Washington number four slot yeah what is number four speaker uh, would it would be a whip I would think okay yeah. okay. Well, at any rate, Michelle Bachman announced last night that she's mm-hmm. taking on the typical tried-and-true inside-the-Beltway moderate. There's going to be uh, this is going to be the only contested race for congressional Republican leadership. I'm putting my money on Bachman to win that mm-hmm. one. It's going to be inter- interesting to see how Lynn Jenkins votes on this, because this could define Lynn Jenkins in a lot of people's minds. Lynn Jenkins had an unexpected, tough. Primary victory.
3: I mean Dennis Powell, you know, you not were on sure the show.
2: None of us saw that train coming down the track. I'm not Dennis sure they, was going they, to pull well, forty
3: three percent of the vote. If ever there was a Tea Party favorite in Kansas, it was him. Yeah. And, and forty three uh, percent of the vote. I don't think she they took him I don't think her campaign took him very seriously. Yeah. Well and he sort of he sort of crept up on her. You know, I, I've got relatives in southeast Kansas and, and I went down there about six weeks before the uh, campaign, somewhere around there, for the uh, primary election. And I saw nothing but uh, uh, Lynn Jenkins signs all the way down. Not a lot of them, but big signs out on the road. And I saw one Dennis Pile sign. I thought, well, Jenkins got that one pretty much under control. And then I went down about uh, three weeks later. My God, there were pile signs everywhere. And I thought, uh-oh. I hope Lynn's uh, driving this highway, too. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was unexpected. And again, I think I think this race, you know, with Michelle Bachman running against a congressman yeah. from Texas who I'd never heard the name before, frankly. And they were talking about this on MSNBC and Fox uh yesterday, that this is a race that's going to help really define, you know, our congressional makeup in the House. And I would imagine uh, Heels Camp probably would be a Bachman supporter. I would think. think but Lynn Jenkins, this is going to define Lynn. Either, either Pompe-
3: Pompeo is going to define him. I would think. It'd be interesting yeah. to see who Yoder goes with. Uh,
2: oh, I, I would I, imagine Yoder's going to go with the established crowd.
3: Uh, the I don't know. You know, he. Uh, uh, would be uh, who's the guy it. that's going to be the uh, majority leader out of uh, Virginia? Um, Cantor. Cantor. Cantor, yeah. I think he's kind of a canter guy. I think he likes Cantor. And, yeah. and kind
2: of John Boehner, I was so impressed with election night.
3: The emotion.
2: Holy. That it was great.
3: You know, it really. Did you see his uh, speech the day before? Uh, uh, his speech, get out there, and, you know, next 24 hours. He talked about it. He got up there, and that was the first time he started showing emotion. He said, what am I doing here? He yeah. said, I grew up up the road here. With my eleven brothers and sisters, my dad ran a bar. Yeah, and here I am on the verge of, of maybe being speaker of the house. And, yeah. and he said only in America. Yeah,
2: but I thought just the emotion that yeah. he showed, and we saw a real human up there that really you could tell. I mean, yeah. as far as convictions, John Boehner, there's a depth there. You know why he'll
3: be a good speaker? Cause he started out in the legislature. You know, he was the minority leader for years in. Um, Several years in Ohio, uh, I know that because uh, I know a guy that was uh, uh, his chief of staff at one time in Ohio, and uh, then he went to Congress. And that legislative experience, you know, that retail politics, uh, you know, when you got a small district and you know the people in your district, that's where you really learn uh, the legislative process. And I think the people that go straight into Congress without some kind of a background in local government or state government, are really handicapped. Um, yeah, he's he's
2: going to have the experience, and I think, uh, you know, truly he has some convictions. Yeah. And I was really impressed. I, I saw a different side of John Boehner.
3: He's, election. Sure he's, he's gotten a lot
2: better
6: oh, at his
3: speaking. I like him a lot now. So four years ago, I saw him here in town. I mean, he was born now, about five years ago. Uh, he came into town here, and we had a little luncheon for him, and he got up and spoke. And I thought, man, this guy's dull. <laughs> oh, God, he's dull. He'll never be speaker. <laughs> I asked Todd T.R. one time, is Boehner going to be the speaker next time? And he said, yeah. And I said, will you tell him to get rid of that damn green tie he always wears. <laughs> you ever notice that? And stay out of a tan. Ha- he has very light green uh-huh. eyes, so he always wears this, I think his wife picks these ties <clears throat> out for him in the morning. <clears throat>
2: <laughs> yeah, and the tanning bed wasn't the, one of these. I don't but know if it's just
3: tanning it. bed. He he has this. He has friends like a lot of congressmen does. He doesn't go home on weekends that much. So he has friends down in Miami and around. And he goes down there and hangs out at their place, and goes out and fishes and, and plays a lot of golf.
6: Yeah. And,
3: uh, yeah, I think the only person that uh, even comes close to playing the amount of golf that uh, President Obama does is John Boehner. So we may see some, uh, you know, golf course summits, fairway summits. Yeah. Don't bet on it, but we might. You never know. <laughs> I, Doug Mays, in my
2: opinion, the Republicans truly politically have the best of both worlds now that they've taken over the House and they haven't taken over the Senate. I think if the yeah. Republicans would have taken control of the Senate, it was going to be a much tougher go for the Republicans because yeah. now they can pass anything in the House. Anything. Anything. Yeah. Now, the Senate's going to block it because the Senate's controlled by Democrats. And if, the Demo- if something does slip through the Senate, then you've got Obama's veto awaiting. Yeah. So uh, the Republican House can just introduce and get anything passed as far as balancing the budget, things that should be done well, yeah. that aren't going to go anywhere because come 2012, the Republicans can point to the Democrats of blocking this, blocking this, blocking this, blocking this. They couldn't have done that if I well. On the other hand, they they can they can
7: achieve
3: some of their goals. I mean, what they do in the House will keep their base happy. Mm -hmm. You know, it will keep the the uh, president on the defensive. And uh, I tell you why you never know what's going to happen because there's some twenty some Democrat senators that are up in two years, and their chances in two years are maybe a whole lot better than they might have been this year. If the whole Senate had been up this year, uh, we'd have sixty senators or. Or better, uh, probably Republican, but they saw what happened, and uh, they they are going to be thinking hard before they uh, vote on things. I, I imagine they're going to try to keep a lot of stuff and make it to the floor of the Senate. But you're right about that. There's something very liberating uh, about the kind of legislation you can pass uh, when you know it doesn't have a chance. I mean, the uh, the Democrats in this state uh, in the House have, have become experts at that over the years. Uh, uh, with the, the amendments that they offer. Uh, but the thing is, though, they do have the power of affecting the budget there. Bingo. And you can, uh, you can achieve a lot of your goals by defunding things. Uh, just keep it out of the budget, or you make sure the budget passes with uh, uh, some kind of uh, language that says no federal money uh, of any kind will be spent to enforce... Uh, Clean air regulations. Uh, or to
2: fund Obamacare. Because, you know, Todd Teahart was talking about that yep. a couple of months ago. He said, don't worry. If the Republicans take control of Congress, Obamacare is dead. You know, it's going to be a law that's on the books in I, name only I think because so. you got to have money to fund it. There anyway. are parts
3: of it that are very popular that will survive. They're not going to take the whole thing out. But, but see, it, it's going to be a real battle because President Obama is going to be, uh, well, he said it the other day. I can't. I couldn't believe how candid he was the day before yesterday in his press conference when he said uh, regarding cap and trade, well, you know, there are more than, there are several ways to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, we know what that is regulations. My gosh, you already sent the guys in to tell the legislature here, yeah. you will pass these regulations or we will come in and, and close down your, your uh, power plants. And uh, so they're going to try that. So it's the, uh, uh, legis- the legislative branch funding programs and it's the uh, administration uh, passing regulations to get their way because they can't get things through Congress. And it's, it's going to be an interesting two years. I tell you this, uh, President Obama has got about 12 months to get things together. I do think the economy is going to begin to start to improve, but unemployment's not going to go down. you got to grow the economy more than 2% a year or unemployment continues to go up.
2: Based on what we know today, <coughs> Doug Mays, Taking a look at 2012, who's going to be on the presidential ballot, (coughs) both parties?
3: I don't know. I'm a big believer in uh, um, dark horses. Uh, McCain wasn't necessarily a dark horse last time. Just an old horse. But, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, old, tired, worn out. Yeah. (laughs) But a fire horse, you know. They rang the bell and he, he... he jumped up? Yeah, um,
2: didn't jump up. Just kind of plodded out of the gate.
3: Uh, I forgot. <laughs> I, you know, I forgot what a, I forgot what, what a, what a <laughs> McCain fan you are.
2: Uh, you know, so I, more so but, than George W. But
3: uh, you know, Romney's out there doing all the right things. He, uh, I don't know that that he can make it. Uh, you know, there, there's some others. Uh, uh, Mitch Daniels out of Indiana. Kind of an attractive candidate with what he did with that state to turn it around. I think Senator Brownback should take a look at Mitch Daniels and what he did in Indiana, and then you look at John Thune up in uh, South, South Dakota. Dakota. Is looking at it now, there's an attractive candidate. Uh, he was unopposed. Unopposed. to the United, United, States United States Senate. Of state course, running for Senate in in, uh, in South Dakota is like running for mayor in in uh, Wichita. You know. It's
2: Although you take a look at South Dakota. Uh, the home of George McGovern. I know, yeah. And, you know, uh, South Dakota has gone Democrat. But
3: but well, you're he, right. Well, he be uh-huh. I mean, that, that was a remarkable feat. But uh, I think they're pretty much all Republican now. You know,
2: Daschle was is married to a former Kansan from Hill City, former Miss Kansas.
3: Well, I knew there was something about the guy I liked. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that, that um, there could be a dark horse if sarah palin gets in it's going to just turn everything upside down i don't think she's going to run for president
2: now she can be a king can be a kingmaker and was in 2010 and can continue in that role yeah basically behind the well she's not behind the scenes she's very much out in front but can be the kingmaker for the republican party absolutely if i was running for national office the first person
3: i would go to and ask for their endorsement would be sarah palin She's a rock star. Yeah. Oh, uh, she's a sl- she's but rock stars often don't make it to the presidency. I mean, they, she has a, uh, a big following, but whether that translates into electoral mm-hmm. votes is pretty questionable.
2: Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't back her in a uh, presidential primary, and it's not because I disagree with her philosophically. I still am looking at Sarah Palin, somebody when the heat was on. She cut and ran from yeah. her job in Alaska, serving a four-year term as governor. Yeah, I. That'll always be in the back of my mind. Yeah. Now, if she wants the nomination, yeah. Sarah Palin, Barack Obama, well, <laughs> I'm going to vote Palin, but she certainly won't be my first or second or third or fourth pick
3: I think, uh,
2: in the uh, reference primary process. process.
3: There, are, there are a lot of good Republicans. Haley Barber, I'm a big Haley Barber fan. I just don't know that he sells nationwide. He'd be a wonderful vice presidential pick. Uh, you would find a more skilled uh, administrator. Uh, than him, he's done wonderful things in his state as governor. <coughs> they didn't have any problems with uh, Katrina; they were hit just as hard as uh, as New Orleans, and they got their act together and, and under control rather quickly. But uh, there's a lot of good ones out there. You know, on the Democrat side, uh, I really think that uh, the Clintons are positioning themselves for a possible challenge to very you, much to so, Obama.
6: <coughs> and, very much so.
3: That, if if his numbers aren't up. It could be Jimmy Carter and, and Kennedy all over again, except Hillary Clinton's a much better campaigner than mm-hmm. Ted Kennedy was. Mm-hmm. So I mean, think about uh, what could happen in two years if we have uh, a Clinton-Obama uh, battle through the primaries, and then you got uh, somewhere between nine and twelve Republicans battling their way through Iowa and then down the East Coast. Uh, it could be a very exciting year. Yeah. Yeah. And Ron Paul
2: <coughs> obviously will have some role
3: <coughs>
2: in the process. He still has a hardcore following.
3: Well, as long as he... Me being one of them. As long as Ron uh, did uh, worship <laughs> Aqua Buddha, I think, uh, you know... <laughs> I think that uh, that gets the uh, prize for the dumbest... Um,
2: By the way, I've got one quick question okay. because I've got... Uh, <laughs> got it. Risa Quinn and Bill Griffin.
3: Yeah, they're pacing the floor uh, outside.
2: Yes, they are. Uh, Tell them, uh, if you can see them, tell them to come on in. I yeah. don't know why they're out in yeah. the lobby. Um, Frank, uh, this is from Frank Williams. It says, basically, Frank's email deals with the cost of elections. Uh-huh. Doug Mays, what do we need to do, if anything, to take a look at cost
3: of Does it mean the cost Uh, of actually running the election? Running the elections. Do we need to
2: tighten up our campaign finance laws? Where do we need to go?
3: Or do we? Are you talking about running elections is one thing. That's what you pay people. Campaigns, I'm sorry. Running campaigns? Campaigns, I'm sorry. I don't know. One thing I know about um, uh, campaign finance legislation, watching it on a national basis and here in Kansas, is every time a legislative branch tries to fix it, it only makes it worse. You may recall after Watergate, they decided that individuals needed to be limited on how much money they could make, but they still wanted people to be able to give, so they invented a thing called political action committees. Political action committees got huge. Then McCain-Feingold came along and limited the uh, political action committees, but they left a loophole in that, that allowed uh, nonprofits to give unlimited amounts of money, as long as they didn't expressly advocate for a candidate. That opened up, and now you, you've got well. There was nine hundred thousand uh, uh, dollars came into the Steve Six race, for instance, mm-hmm. from a nonprofit out of Iowa that nobody ever heard of. Nobody mm-hmm. knows who who's behind well, these that. people are. Yeah, uh, and and if you if you every time you try to fix it, it only seems to make it worse. I I just think if you did away with everything and just said any individual can give any amount of money they want, go back the way it was. Uh, I would I would be fine with that. As far as limiting the amount of money, uh, well, first of all, I'm dead set against government-funded elections. Dead set. And I don't know how you limit it.
2: Doug, let's do this again soon. Sorry, Frank. Doug Mays, he's a good one, folks. Been a, been a pleasure. We'll do it again, my friend. On deck, Risa Quinn, Bill Griffin. Stay tuned. More to come. Well, before we take a break, I do want to give a plug to... The Golden Corral folks, they now have their holiday food fair and Doug, uh, great place to take Lena for a meal. Uh, they've got turkey, they've got ham, they've got everything that you would eat over the holidays on their buffet line along with their traditional fare as well. 16th That's and Wanabaker. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> 16th and Wanabaker, Daryl Dominant Associates, great sponsors of the Jim Cates show. Okay, stay tuned. A lot more to come today.
8: Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best From roses, flowers, shrubs and trees To everything your garden needs Jackson says just come in, be our guest Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place We're your plant shopping center all the way At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day.
4: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer, too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org. A special place on the internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
9: Eyewear Unique is a fun upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in Mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top-of-the-line designer frames with names, like Athnia, Barcelona, Lunar, Robert Mark, LA Eyewear, Bevel Sacks, Freuden House, Oliver Peoples, Ray Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fonce Frost line, located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka, or visit them on the web at EyewearUniqueTopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear unique, eyewear for life.
10: This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at
1: 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email Jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back. Hey, folks, if you want to make a little money on the side, well, let me tell you how to do
2: it. It's real simple. The Downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall, they're located at 5th and Harrison, just a block east of Topeka Boulevard. And what you can do with the Downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall, hey, it's a great place to shop. They've got everything known to man in there. three floors of antiques and collectibles and garage sale items. They've got it all, and that merchandise is constantly turning over. You never know what you're going to find in there. But if you've got items at home, and you don't want to screw around having a garage sale, well, you don't have to. You can take your items to the downtown antique and collectibles mall, and they'll sell your items on consignment. It is just that simple. Now, they're open seven days a week. They open at 11 o'clock each and every day, and if you haven't been there, well, it's, uh, it's, you can walk it from downtown Topeka. It's part of downtown Topeka, I suppose. So check it out, folks, downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall. Good morning, Risa Quinn. Good morning, Bill Griffin. Good morning. Let me get you all turned on here. Okay, we're ready to rock.
11: Good, good morning. Good you
2: both with us. Yes, thank you. Bowl right around the corner, huh? It's 29 days away. 29 days away, December the 4th. December it's the 4th. It's a fourth. Saturday. It's a
7: 1 o'clock kickoff over at Hummer Sports Park. Oh, period. Your weather's as good as it was last year. Last year wasn't bad. Wasn't bad at all? No. A little A little brisk. It's 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 football. It's outside. It's December. It's going to be a little chilly, but uh, we had, uh, it was sunny skies, wind was a little brisk, but uh, it was still a pretty good day. Okay. Now, last year, this was the first year
2: uh, for the Kansas Bowl. In Division II, there's only, what, two or three bowls? Four four bowls in the country. Four complete. Yes. Uh, The closest one to us would be the Mineral Water Bowl. Correct. Close to my hometown of Liberty, Missouri, uh, they played that in Excelsior Springs. Correct. And there's two others that are established, and then there's the Kansas Bowl. So this is four.
7: That's it. Right. In the and, country. And Topeka, you know, we're one of four cities that host a Division II football game like this. And yeah. I mean, it's a special thing. It's a big deal.
2: And this truly is a big deal. Now, last year, the first game... Attendance was respectable. You had one team coming out of southwest Texas somewhere. Yeah,
7: West and Texas they brought A&M.
2: how many fans with them? Two, three, four uh, hundred?
7: I think we ended up about 750, actually. Yeah. and we were That came out of Texas? Yeah, considering wow. the, with the Traveler Party uh, and the parents. And then the Alumni Association brought a bus up as yes. well. Uh, so we had a very good turnout for them. And their crowd was actually split that day because their women's volleyball team was in the national championship that day. Yeah. So some of their alumni had taken off and gone to that uh, event as well. So we were very, very pleased with West Texas A&M. They did a great job coming up. And from everything we were told, they had a great time. Yeah, yeah. And it brought a lot of money into Topeka.
2: I mean, this is a, a turner. This is a bowl game mm-hmm. that infuses a lot of money into this community. Yes, no it No doubt does. about it and you had Nebraska uh, Omaha and they brought 5 600
7: well i think bands. they they were about 750 as well because they ended up actually bringing two buses full of band members down with them as well and then their yeah. alumni universe of, of their university had just a huge turnout over on their side uh, of the of the, di- or the uh, stadium and uh, i I'm, I'm guessing just the alumni association had probably 3 or 4 300 people just wow. from the Alumni Association by themselves. So by all accounts, it was a success last year. Good
2: crowd. And yes, good was. for Topeka. A lot of positive publicity. Absolutely. We had, yards. we had very good reviews. And last year, Risa Quinn, Bill Griffin, you had no choice whatsoever on selection of the teams. None. Correct. You weren't involved in that? No. In any way, shape, or form. How about this year? Now that the Kansas Bowl is established, are you going to have a little more say in who's coming
7: well, the good? good thing last year is because we did not have the say, there was a lot of folks that really wanted to see us just to pick Washburn and be done with it. Um, you know, that all sounds great, but we went by the letter of the contract that mm-hmm. we have with the conferences uh-huh. that's, that specifies on what teams become eligible.
6: Uh-huh.
7: Last year, it was left up to the conferences if we ran into a tie situation, where it was an equal situation, the conferences would pick the teams. This year, that is not the case. If there is a tie, we have the choice. To be able to pick the teams however it's still very specific on what teams are eligible to come to the bowl Uh and it's the team's highest ranking teams in each conference that is that are not invited to the national championship playoffs Uh for division two which generally means the third and fourth place teams in each conference generally that's the way it works now last year MIAA only took one team, or was awarded one team to the playoffs, mm-hmm. thus we ended up having a three-team tie. Correct. And, and the way it worked off is that University of Nebraska had the tiebreaker over the other teams. Uh-huh. This year, everyone's expecting two teams from the MIAA to go to the playoffs, minimum. And then we would be looking at the third or fourth place teams to be able to have a choice. To come to the bowl, so we're looking at Washburn still would have a shot. Absolutely, yeah, very big else? shot. Who else? Missouri Western right now really holds one of the keys for us. Uh, they play at University of Nebraska mm-hmm. Omaha this weekend. Mm-hmm. If Missouri Western loses either of their last two games, and Washburn wins both uh-huh. of their games, there's a very high percentage chance that Washburn will be our team.
6: Okay, That's so we got a mojo
7: of Missouri Western. We got yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Not that we're rooting, we'll be happy with anybody, but... uh, How does
2: Missouri Western draw? Do
7: you know? know, They travel... their home games. uh, Pretty well. I don't know their attendance numbers offhand, but they have been to the Mineral Water Bowl the last, I think, five out of the last six years or something like that, or seven out of the last ten. Quite a few. So they're excited already about the opportunity to change bowl locations. Yeah. So we expect a a big travel party with them if they're the team that we invite.
2: Well, I'm an alum of Northwest Missouri. Mm -hmm. And uh that has been the premier team of course and they're probably Absolutely. yeah, headed to the nationals again. The national championship hopefully. But Missouri Western, this is gonna be the powerhouse within four to five years. They will dominate the MIAA. They, the reason I say it, that, you know, they've got the Chiefs' yeah. training facilities. N-
7: nice facility with, kind of came to, to their advantage well, here. Well, the right. Texas. I mm-hmm. mean,
2: if you're looking at training facilities, you can go to the University of Texas or take a look at Missouri Western. <laughs> Missouri Western's going to have better facilities. That's right. I mean, the state of Missouri has infused so much money into that campus, mm-hmm. and that's got to be a tremendous recruiting tool, I would Absolutely. think.
7: Well, and just you the can ability. You
2: envision Missouri Western going 1AA within a... Not too
7: Yeah, They they may, you know, that may be a situation that they... they. Uh, the a population
2: difference. in St. Joe mm-hmm. that could support, you know, a 1AA. Right. Yeah, could be. Could be. Get them out of the MIA <laughs> 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 Well,
7: the MIAA is expanding to 16 teams here in the next couple of years as well, so I'm oh. sure they won't want to lose anyone either. But yeah,
2: picking up Lindenwood.
7: Yeah, Lindenwood That's and it. Kearney and a couple of, of schools out of uh, north, northeast Oklahoma. Well, they uh, drive from
2: Hayes to Lindenwood quite a drive. (laughs) It is if you don't come out on top. (laughs) four-day trip, yeah. (laughs) So the Kansas Bowl, everything is pretty much in place. When will you officially announce the teams? When's that coming?
10: November 15th.
2: November the 15th. That's going to be the official Mm -hmm. announcement date. Yes. Correct. All
7: right. Yes, we'll we'll, uh, be able to determine. After this weekend, we'll have a much better guess on what we're going to have, but officially after the last weekend of the season then we will know the teams that are going to qualify for the national championship tournament. And then we will be able to make an invitation. Okay. Now, the same
2: conference out of Texas will be a part of this. Correct. Lone Star. Lone Star Conference. Correct. Correct.
7: Yeah. And we're currently, West Texas A&M actually has an opportunity to come back and defend their win last year. Which is exciting for us. Yes. Uh, They have a big game this weekend as well against Abilene Christian. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, Midwestern State, which is a school we didn't really have on the radar last year because they weren't—they didn't do that well—is doing quite well this year. Right. And now so we're out
2: of where in Texas, Midwestern uh, State.
7: I'm sorry, Midwestern it's, it's, it's Northern Texas, Texas, I can tell you, but I don't—I don't remember the town, yeah. and I don't you have know, it with maybe me.
2: Maybe right. Austin. Well, it could be, God knows, uh, Midwestern uh, Texas. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That could comprise a pretty large area. Well, sure. I'm,
7: I'm going to be safe and say Texas, Jim. That's a good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Now, the
2: all the Texas. teams are Texas teams. Aren't they in the Lone Star? or do they There's a Oklahoma? few Oklahoma, Oklahoma teams. teams. Too. Okay, okay, okay. Well, this is exciting stuff, and this is going to be played on the Chuck Lauer field. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. And, Risa Quinn, you're certainly in large part responsible for getting the field named after Chuck Lauer, and great guy. I think it's just a, a well-deserved honor. Delighted that you're in with that. Well, thank you. He does deserve that. Well, Bill, what else is happening? I know you're involved in a soccer
5: tournament coming
7: up. Um, yeah, there's actually yeah. other things going on at Hummer <laughs> Sports Park. We we don't want to mix our message here. So for the football game, it's December 4th, one o'clock kickoff. It's a Saturday over Hummer Sports Park.
2: And tickets won't uh, be uh, they'll be on sale after the 15th of November. I actually,
7: think. tickets are on sale currently. You can get tickets yeah. at Hummer Sports Park office or at High V. High V is selling tickets for us so as well this year. Oh, okay. And Lauer Heating and Plumbing will have tickets. Uh, available. So you can buy tickets. So you can so buy now. tickets correctly right now. Okay. okay, And we have new tickets this year, reserve seating,
6: mm-hmm. uh, right. over
7: on the west side of the stadium. So reserve seats are $15, Adult General Mission $10, and children 12 and under are $5. So,
10: Unless
5: yeah.
10: I'm going right. to plug the Kansas Bear Kid <laughs> Club. Uh, if kids are a member of the Kansas Bear Kid Club, uh-huh. then along with a T-shirt and... Free kids' ice cream at Coldstone Creamery. Uh, free membership in the Kid Club awesome. at Hy-Vee. Tim Clothier, I'll give Tim mm-hmm. a
2: plug at Coldstone. Yeah. Yes. Good guy.
10: Um, they get some free things at Hy-Vee as well: uh, something from Subway because they are yep. another Kid Club sponsor. And then they get their t-shirt and a ticket, a kids' ticket. To the game on December okay, 4th. Okay,
2: how do the kids join the Kansas Bear Club? What's that? Well, the
10: Kansas Bear has an email address, for starters.
7: KansasBear.com. Or Kansas the Kansas Bear at, at Yahoo.com. Yahoo. Yeah.
10: Kansas Bear has a Facebook page. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the Kansa Bear, last night, the Kansas Bear was at Coldstone Creamery. Next Tuesday night, the Kansa Bear will be at Perkins. Uh-huh. From...
7: 530 to 7.
10: Yes. And kids eat free on Tuesday night at Perkins. They do. And yes. so they can spend time with the bear out there. Uh,
2: Carmichael and friends. And yes. Zeta. Good community supporter. Bob's involved yeah. in everything very, very there is to be involved good. in in this community and does a wonderful um,
10: job. So that one's coming up. They can come out there and do that. Uh, just kind of be watching for postings of where else the bear is going to be. The bear can make appearances if anyone wants the bear with a little Oops. bit of notice, yep. just, just email, us. email the bear. Okay, very good. Sounds so, great.
7: So, yeah, a lot of things going on. Now, the other message that we're sending out from Hummer Sports Park is that the, between oh. a collaboration with Visit Topeka, Hummer Sports Park, Sunflower Soccer, that the sports park was awarded the National Junior College Athletic Association uh, Women's Soccer National Championship Tournament. Oh, oh. And that's coming up November 18th, 19th, and 21st of this month here, um, eight junior college women's teams from around the country will be in Topeka starting the 17th of November mm-hmm. to play off to find out who the national champion is.
2: Do we have a Kansas team?
7: Currently, they have one more weekend to go through qualifications. Our Kansas hopes are with Hutchinson Okay. Juco.
6: Okay.
7: Um, they came here last weekend, won this regional. They have to go to Wyoming this weekend to win. If they win, it will be Hutch will be our local team, so to speak. But we're expecting teams if everything goes to uh, accordance. Tyler, Texas is the number one team in the country. We've already had people from Tyler calling us, wanting to know about hotel rooms and where RVs can park and things like this. So they're pretty confident. There is a team out of Phoenix, Arizona, that uh, appears to be on the way. Alton, Illinois, um, New York and New Jersey with a, a pair of teams coming there. A Georgia team appears to be on the way. Uh, so we will have eight teams from literally around the country here in Topeka for about five days for this soccer championship. Now this is
2: coming up when?
7: November 18, 19, and 21st. Okay, okay. And um, so a lot of things happening out there for that as well. And tickets for that is uh, there's four games on Thursday, four on Friday, and they're ten dollars for adults and five dollars for kindergarten through uh, senior. Now so.
2: you wanted to come on the show Friday.
7: Well, we thought we'd come back the in 19th? the 19th if we have a chance to I've visit got about a, it.
2: I've got it locked in now. Okay. Right. We'll
7: have, we will we'll we'll certainly football. know the teams by then. For um, the Kansas Bowl. For the Kansas Bowl. We just switched
2: yeah. from soccer to football again. <laughs> All right. We've got it down. Okay. It's in, it's in the book now. So Perfect. You don't need to call or remind me. Got okay. It. <laughs> got it in the book. But,
7: uh, so okay. the soccer so tournament's good. exciting. A lot of things coming in. We'll have... The uh, teams will travel with 30, probably 30 people each, so you're talking about almost 250 people from around the mm-hmm. the country going to come in to Topeka for four or five days uh, to spend some time and money. And, and we're enjoy. going to see a lot
2: of scouts from your T1 yes. program. yeah, system. there's a lot. There's
7: a lot of recruiting goes on at this. Uh,
2: I'll bet there would be. Yeah. yeah. Yes,
7: certainly will be. So.
6: Yeah.
2: Friend of ours plays for Washburn. Mm-hmm. Well, Lauren Henry, you know yes. Lauren. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, she was injured a couple of days ago. And oh. Has her leg in a splint now, but she had a shot at All-American this year. Didn't yes. quite make it, I guess, with the leg injury, what have you. But we're going to see some possibly future All-American soccer Absolutely. players that are going to work their way up to Division One ball next year. Yeah. So these these are very soccer, good
7: very good teams. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If you're a soccer fan, uh, this could be big. And you know, just an email blast, uh, everybody that uh, every parent that has kids in a soccer program in mm-hmm. Topeka.
7: Yes, we've you, been can right.
2: a, you can get a few people out for this. Yeah,
7: we've we've been reaching out to uh, Sunflower Soccer has been a big help with this. Uh, Kansas Youth yeah. Soccer yeah. Uh, out of Olathe is uh, helping us promote it as well. But we've made contact with all the schools around the area, uh, oh all the <laughs> club soccer teams, and everyone that we can find, we've tried to get information to. This could be big.
2: This could be a biggie. Well, best of luck on that. Thanks. Exciting stuff. All right, anything else coming up?
7: Oh, yeah, we've got a whole calendar full of <laughs> things, but I'm not sure the time will allow us for But thanks for the thought. <laughs> we better stick with these two messages today. <laughs> okay, now,
2: Risa Quinn, Bill Griffin, if somebody wants to buy, purchase advance tickets, either for the upcoming Kansas Bowl, or the upcoming national soccer tournament, just uh call yeah, Hummer.
7: There's there's uh, two two numbers that we can give you that you can call. Uh seven eight five two nine five three seven five zero. That's directly to Hummer Sports Park. Or you can call seven eight five six three three eight four four eight and that's actually directly to me. And kay. I can get you set up from All there. Right. Okay. All right. And there is, there, by the way, there's no maximum on the number of tickets you can buy. I like
10: that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no limit.
2: This is good for Topeka, folks. We're talking about something that truly is a biggie for Topeka. So take advantage of one or both. Appreciate you coming in. All right. Thank you. Thank you, you Jim. On deck, I don't know. Where is Tom Erskine? I don't know. Where's John Arnold? I don't know. So you might hear a very boring 40-minute monologue. I don't know. Stay tuned. <laughs> More to come of Jim
6: Keats.
12: CJOnline.com has been upgraded and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community.
7: More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it.
12: As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz.
7: Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and
12: commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience the local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas News
13: Connection. Topeka Collegiate, Topeka's only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small-class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at TopekaCollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School. Educating children for life.
0: Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones. Stuck away in the desk drawer. Haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve.
4: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer, too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org. is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
1: We're back with Jim Cates at cjonline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim.
2: Okie okay, dokie, folks. Um... Jeremiah Bullfrogs, 29th and Wanamaker. Great place to watch a football game. Great place for chili. You know, now that we're into chilly weather, and boy are we ever, <laughs> the forecast doesn't look that good. It's a wonderful place if you like hot, spicy chili. If you like hot, spicy buffalo wings, Jeremiah Bullfrogs, again, has got to be your go-to stop. A wonderful place to meet your friends and neighbors. After work for a libation, 29th and Wanamaker, uh, my watering hole, it's just a nice place to go. It truly is. Just a great group of people. Check it out, Jeremiah Bullfrogs. Well, I forgot. Uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning. Good morning, Jim. It's John. Hello, John Arnold. How are you?
11: I'm good. How are you? I am doing Well, where are you as we speak? Well, I'm at home. I just time. had a whole lot of things to do and so I thought I'd stay here and call in. Well, that is not a problem at all. I can't hear you very well. Are you uh, turned up loud enough? We are. Uh, right.
2: we're coming through loud and clear, I okay. think. I think we're okay. Well I was
11: listening. I listened to Doug Mays and your later guests who sounded fine over the air, but on the phone you're sounding kinda of light. Okay,
2: you're coming in fine. Okay, good. John good. one of the things I wanted to hit on real quick, uh Terrence yeah. Stewart emailed me and uh in fact I just got another email from Terrence referencing Obamacare. Terrence was having some fun with me before the show started talking about uh, Manhattan Air Service, which you and I have talked about on occasion, and I mentioned last week that uh, this nonstop flight out of Manhattan to Chicago, the round trip, uh, started November the 1st. Well, it actually starts November the 18th, and I'm going to attempt to get the uh, director of the airport for Manhattan on the show, because again, my hat's off to Manhattan now that they've got three flights a day. Uh, in and out of Dallas nonstop, and now they're going to have uh, Chicago flights starting November the 18th. Uh, well, I want to, to meet them. this person and get him on the show. A and B, John, maybe we can drive a little traffic to Manhattan as opposed to going to Kansas City, Missouri. You know, they keep some money in Kansas. And my yeah. gosh, uh, the drive to Manhattan shorter drive than it is to KCI in Missouri. So we'll see what we can do.
11: Well, that'd be interesting to, to discuss with him and find out what the fares are in contrast to uh, something out of Kansas City.
2: You bet, and there was uh, something in the Capitol Journal a couple of weeks ago talking about comparing the Dallas flight out of Manhattan to uh, catching a KC flight to Dallas, uh-huh. and I think the fares were, I'm going to say, 40 or $50 more out of Manhattan, but when you factor in... Turnpike cost when you factor in parking at KCI, when you factor in all of the other costs and the time spent, the time difference, actually, you're still money ahead flying out of Manhattan. So, hmm. yeah, interesting. And we'll get into that. I'll attempt to uh, get a hold of somebody. And yeah, Terrence, that'll be fun. I, I don't even know
11: what airlines are flying out of uh, Manhattan.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, tell you what, Terrence, I know you're listening because I just got an email from you. You can make my job a lot easier. Terrence, if you could give me a contact name and a phone number in Manhattan, I'll make that call later today, and we'll get somebody on the show next week. Uh, Happy to promo it. Now, John Arnold, I know the top stories of the week. Obviously, we're going to get into the election coverage, I'm sure.
11: Oh, there was an election?
2: (laughs) Yes, indeed. And, 2 let's talk about your blog. you want to talk about your blog first?
11: Oh, I just uh, uh, said, okay, if, if everybody wants to make government smaller, I gave him some ways to do it, starting with turning back Social Security and Medicare and don't take the money, folks. Yeah, yeah. And, and
2: uh, John, your message was good in some respects, but way, 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 way too partisan. And partisan. I liked your
11: message because course, you said, you
2: know, you can lead by example, folks. And then you <laughs> named about uh, half a dozen Republicans that could lead by example by turning your pension back and sure. all of this. But no Democrat was mentioned.
11: Well, there aren't it'd be many left, lie. Jim. Huh? <laughs> there aren't very many left. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was only talking about incumbents. If you, besides that, the, it, the Republicans were the ones who were saying, we want smaller government, we want to make cuts and all of this. And I think uh, they quoted Michelle Bachman as saying, we're going to cut your spending by 20%. And I said, you can't do that unless you're going into the military, kid. Yeah, and And we need to get it. Or or Social Security. Well,
2: we need to dig deep into the military, and that's not to uh, impact our national defense other than the fact, and we've pointed out this example so many times on the show.
6: Yeah.
2: 70,000 troops in Germany. We do not need 70,000 troops in Germany. Just to cut that back to 40,000. And I don't know why we would need 40,000. But if you cut it back by 30,000 troops, think of the savings right there.
11: Sure. But one of the, the one of the payroll alone. One of the arguments for having our foreign bases is that we, to a certain extent, prop up their economies by having our people over there. Sure, we're spending we prop them money up. in Germany and other places. What did you say? Eighty-five different places where we have. One hundred forty-two. One hundred forty-two countries. There's roughly one
2: hundred and seventy-five countries on this planet. We've got troops in more than 140
11: countries now. We must not have discovered those other 30 countries uh, <laughs> that we need their support.
5: <laughs> but you know one of the things
11: you know you always ask what's the big story of the week? And I think probably the biggest story of the election, of course the election is a big story, but the biggest story of that is the fact that nobody talked about the war in Afghanistan. How in the world can some we be at war two different places? And not have it be discussed during a campaign it was so nice.
2: Who's going to bring it up? Uh, who's uh, who's on who's on the Ron Paul side of this story, John Arnold? That's saying it's time to get our troops home because again, Ron Paul tried that when he ran for president a couple yep. of years ago and yep. was viewed as being anti-patriotic because we weren't sending Americans to their death in uh, Iraq.
11: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's um. Uh, it, I guess it's just a, a tough issue for people to talk about. They don't know what to say about it. Uh, yeah, you want to cut spending, but you don't want to leave your troops hanging out. And um, still, you know, at what point do we say let's let's go home? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway.
2: And I was hoping you know that Obama with the Obama election—that uh, was the one thing that I could have supported that Obama was going to run with. I thought was really cutting back on our military expenditures. We can't afford it now. You know, and again, John, I think we talked about this last week, that if you take a look at the military budgets of all of the countries on the face of this planet, we're number one, obviously. You can take number two through number 20, the next 19 countries, their military budgets, add them all together, it will not equal ours. Yeah. We're talking about the country with the second-largest military budget, all the way down through number 20. We're spending more money than those 19 countries combined. We, we can't afford something to do like this.
11: 700 billion a year, or something like that, on the military. Yeah, and uh, that's a huge amount of money. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with uh, the technology and equipment and research and so on. And I like the high-tech stuff, the Predator drone and so on. I just saw in the news now they're talking about building. Putting a billion dollars into blimps, spy blimps. They're going to be seven stories tall and as long as a football field. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. That'd probably be good over the Mexican border.
6: Yeah. yeah. Gonna what are we going to do? So
11: that uh, you can watch everything going, you know, with heat seeking, not missiles, but heat seeking uh, infrared, I guess is what I'm looking at. But that John, you're exactly right. That's what we would be doing.
2: We would be watching everything. Yeah. Not uh, from the blimps. I'm not sure we would be taking any action. You know, on the Mexican border, if we saw, you know, <laughs> 20,000 yeah. illegals coming across the border at the same time. Well, that's because insane. our Border Patrol has been so demoralized. You know, yeah. and it started with Bush and has continued with Obama yeah. that our Border Patrol is not going to be shooting at anybody because we can just go back to Copion and Ramos, the two Border Patrol agents that shot a drug dealer, and Bush and his cronies had these two imprisoned yeah. for a couple of years. And things haven't gotten any better under Democrat leadership. So, why spend any more money on the border if we're not going to go about the business of enforcing?
6: You
11: know, yeah.
2: illegal immigrants working their way into this country.
11: Yeah. Well, you certainly don't want wholesale shooting of people, but you certainly could pick them up and um, take them someplace and then deport them. I guess you just—I guess we do that now.
2: John, you wouldn't have to have wholesale shooting. You'd just have to shoot one or two, possibly.
11: Oh, okay. (laughs) And especially
2: some of these drug dealers that are working their way into the country, some of these drug dealers that are coming armed into our country. You know, there's what an area of uh, southern Arizona where United States citizens have been advised, stay out of this area, highly dangerous. It's an area that virtually has been taken over by the illegal immigrant uh, and drug trade in our country that American citizens have been told, do not enter, this is too dangerous, we've lost complete control, that's where we need to start shooting to kill, you know, we've lost 30,000 dead Mexicans because of our drug habit here in the United States, you know, so many things have to change, John,
11: Yep. I was hopeful that, uh, that perhaps the law in California on marijuana would pass so that that would reduce that area, although it's... It's always problematic to think about legalizing any particular drug, particularly marijuana. But um, yeah, it just seems like you know we're, we've been fighting the drug wars for 50 years, and we've not won. We've won battles, but we certainly haven't won the war.
2: Well, John, you know I hope if we ever have a serious discussion about legalization of marijuana in Kansas, and I think we're a few years away from that, frankly, but. If it happens, I hope we don't go down this politically feel-good, totally irresponsible decision to decriminalize marijuana. Because, folks, the thing to keep in mind, if you're for legalization of drugs, fine. If you think we ought to have a war on drugs, fine. Option number C, the decriminalization, by far and away, is the worst decision we can make. And the reason is, if we did decriminalize marijuana, John Arnold, if you're smoking dope, you're still buying a drug from a drug dealer. That means 30,000 Mex- Mexicans have died already over the past 12 months. Going to have 30,000 more die if, in fact, we decriminalize drugs because you have to go to an illegal source to buy marijuana, whatever it is we're decriminalizing. You're still buying that drug from a drug dealer, an illegal source.
11: Well, actually, Colorado did something a couple of years ago when they allowed medical marijuana, as California has done. Mm -hmm. And um, I was recently visiting with a friend of mine in Colorado. He said in Fort Collins there were 60 different medical outlets. And all they have is a sign on the window that looks like a hemp leaf. And that's where they can sell marijuana for medical purposes. All you need is a prescription. And they said, people are coming from all over with their prescriptions to buy marijuana and of course when i was in northern california up in humboldt county they grow a lot of marijuana up there illegally they grow it in the national forests, and um, one of the biggest um, uh, economic products up there is pvc pipe for irrigation mm-hmm. and uh, they say you've got to be careful walking in those national forests because you can trip over uh... improvised explosive device very easily If you get too close to the flower beds or whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. But um, it's pretty easy to grow that stuff around here. In fact, it was grown in Kansas in, what, the 70s when uh, the Attorney General had the big raid and burned the crops?
2: Yeah, and and as you point out, you know, Colorado is a good example. You know, people are getting maimed, killed. As a result of decriminalization in Colorado, because the drug is being grown illegally. If we're going to go down that path, if that's the path America wants to go down, let's go all the way down the path and legalize it. Let's don't decriminalize, because we're still supporting that criminal element by decriminalizing. Yeah, There's somebody at the other end of the food chain that we're supporting.
11: If you do legalize it, then then you you take the economic incentive out of that uh, criminal element to bring it in from wherever. Whether it's Mexico or Nicaragua or Northern California.
6: Yeah. yeah. And that,
11: that has that has some benefit because the law enforcement spend an awful lot of time on drug issues. And I would rather see them spend their time on more productive pursuits. But, you know, and, and I think also, I read the other day, oh, it was quite a while ago, that kids someplace were injecting themselves with mustard because it made them get high. And I thought, if. If, there's, if you legalize drugs, well, they'll find some other substance, you know, they'll sniff glue or whatever to get high. And I'm saying you cannot possibly regulate everything that somebody might inject in
6: themselves.
2: Yeah. Somebody okay. that injects something into their system, more power to them, you know, if they're that stupid. I, I don't think we can ever cure... Total stupidity yeah, and you're injecting stupid, mustard aren't. into your system. I mean, <laughs> there you're dealing with an idiot, so <laughs> I, I don't know where we go with that. Yeah. By the way, Kate at com, An email that came out late Friday I thought you'd get, get a kick out of. John, I won't read uh, the sender's name, but it said uh, we were talking about the audio. We had some challenges with her audio, and... uh this emailer said it was your first guest who was too loud. Lana Gordon was just fine wasn't uh wasn't the guest number one on the phone. but if you change anything, don't rack John Arnold up too loud. He carries the show do what well. He carries the show, basically. Don't what, uh, rack him
11: too loud. Whatever that means,
2: I don't know. But I thought you would appreciate the fact that uh, the last. He carries the show. He carries the show, yes, indeed. Well, so, delighted you're with us. How come it's so called the could, Jim Cates show, then? Well, I don't know, but I'm, I'm delighted you're with us to carry this show. <laughs>
11: yeah, you bet.
2: Carry the show. Well, well I, I'm delighted that I'd you're be doing It's good that. that
11: you didn't read that idiot's name. <laughs>
2: I think you've had lunch with this individual before. Oh, okay. Well, now he's <laughs> uh, not an idiot. A strong supporter of yours. He's yes, a sharp man. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. John surprises Tuesday night. Uh, John, because, again, you're going to come more from the left of center perspective. I'm coming from the right of center perspective. What surprised you the most, if anything, Tuesday night?
11: Yeah, I, I think uh, you and Doug Mays talked about it. I, I was surprised that Dennis McKinney um, didn't do better than that because um, I thought he was Doing a fine job as treasurer, and he's a he's a quality guy. In fact, um, one of the stories I told a friend, I heard him speak at Rotary one time, and he talked about the night the tornado hit mm-hmm. in Greensburg, and he and his daughter climbed into a bathtub, a porcelain bathtub, and his daughter was sixteen, and he said he was so proud of her that night because she's as they lay there with the house coming apart ab- above them, around them. She was praying for their neighbor, hmm. mm-hmm. and I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty special. I mean, that, you don't elect a guy for that, but it's he's a pretty good parent if he's got a daughter that's uh, that's doing that when all hell is breaking loose around her. She's mm-hmm. thinking of somebody else. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I had talked with him about Greensburg, and uh, I had met him through Joan Wagner because she was a good friend of Dennis's also, but I was surprised by that. Because I thought he was uh, well enough respected that he would get elected. But boy, it sure was. It was 94 all over again, wasn't it, for the Democrats? Oh, boy.
2: Yep, it was. And that that really surprised me as well. Because, again, as we pointed out, serving as county treasurer, county treasurer especially, state treasurer has a little more clout you know, as far as decision making. Because you do serve on the Capers board. And there's a little more to it. But, again, Dennis McKinney hadn't done anything wrong that I'm aware of and had the reputation of being uh, a good legislator, pretty sharp, uh, pretty focused, and the work ethic was certainly there. No real reason to turn Dennis McKinney out of office, other than the fact that this was a partisan year. And I certainly have experienced those on the other side of the coin. (laughs) Where the Democrats have wiped out some very, very, very good Republicans is simply because they were Republicans. So it happens on both sides of the fence. Yeah, it happens but, uh,
11: uh, yeah. in Kansas. Of course, it happens more often on the Republican side than the Democrat. But and uh, as some people have said, you know, this is going to require the Democratic Party to to reinfuse itself with some uh, energy and talent.
2: You know, John, everybody was wiped out Tuesday because again we saw a lot of money infused into Attorney General Six's race because if you were a Democrat concerned about the future of your party, naturally, I think that's where you would go with your money. You know, so you would have a head of the party left, somebody to lead the party. Sure. Who's left? Everybody went down. Who's yeah, you... Um, looking you, in the ashes of the Democratic Party, John Arnold, who is probably it? probably have,
11: in the Shawnee delegation, some good people still left, because they were all reelected. and there are a few Democrats there. Uh, but, boy, at the, at the statewide level, um, I don't know what's there.
2: Yeah, who would be the party's leader?
11: Yeah. I don't Somebody's know. Somebody's gonna to have to emerge. Yeah. Um, I suppose the party chairman is going to have to be the person to get involved. I you know, I frankly don't spend a lot of time thinking about partisan politics and so I don't I don't know how they organize that activity Yeah.
2: Well the slate's been wiped clean, you know, for the Democrats, so pretty much, yeah. yeah. Starting over and I've You know, having not been involved directly with the legislative process over the past few years, I don't know who the up-and-coming stars are.
11: Well, yeah, Uh, and probably what will happen is that with uh, Governor Brownback's inauguration and he has to submit a budget and so on, they're going to have some issues, and uh, somebody will stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, Um, you can't defund everything. Uh, that's something I didn't I didn't put in my my blog also about giving money back for education. But anyway, I, I wouldn't know how to address that question myself.
2: Complicated issue because again, our Supreme Court uh, was wrong as wrong could be in my opinion uh, for getting involved. You know, the funding of education in terms of a dollar amount I think our, res- the responsible decision out of our Supreme Court should have been getting involved to make sure that we're not favoring one child in one part of the state over another child in another part of the state i understand the supreme court coming in and saying hey you know this kid from cloud county has to have the same opportunity as a kid from seward county i get that i don't get the supreme court stepping in and saying okay this is the amount of money we want you to spend on education that clearly clearly is something that our legislators were elected to do
11: So i think they just way overstep their bounds. But didn't the yeah. Supreme Court basically say legislature has failed to do its responsibility it's the responsible thing and funded adequately?
2: Yeah, but that, you that know funding had right gone up every year. Uh, I'm not sure you can point to a year, John Arnold, yeah. and the state of Kansas in the 20th century to where spending for education didn't go up year after sure. year. Uh, the, f- the formula... you know, Lord, I was there for four years. I never un- understood that formula. It was so complicated. Uh, you know, I just kind of looked to friends of mine that served on that education on the education committee uh, to guide me on my vote, frankly when I was in the legislature. But again, Nebraska and Oklahoma at the same time Kansas was getting involved. Our Kansas Supreme Court was getting involved in telling the legislators how much money they were going to spend. The state of Nebraska, the state of Oklahoma Supreme Court at the same time were saying, "Hey." This is out of our purview, out of our jurisdiction. Uh-huh. You solve it, legislators. So I don't know. Well, but again, all of our uh, Supreme Court justices were retained—not by my vote, but they were retained.
11: You voted against some of them, did
2: you? Well, I voted against all of them because I think <laughs> they just clearly overstepped their
11: bounds. Okay.
6: Yeah. yeah.
11: Um, <laughs> well, I don't know what the what the difference was in in the lawsuit that the uh, Schools for Fair Funding Group, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. How, what angle they took to the Supreme Court that made our Supreme Court decided had to rule on it, as opposed to Nebraska and uh, other states. But there must have been some kind of wrinkle in there that was important.
2: Yeah, something happened uh, that was yeah untoward. But that that was your major surprise was uh, Dennis McKinney. I would say that probably was mine too on the uh, on the state
11: level. And, and I, uh, I suppose the fact that. Um, None of the other candidates, incumbents like Chris Biggs um, or Steve Six, survived. You know, uh, and fairly handily defeated um, in most cases. Uh, that that kind of the strength of it was a was a bit of a surprise.
6: Yeah, and
2: folks, don't misunderstand me. I think Ron Estes and I don't know him well by reputation. I think he's going to do a fine job as state treasurer. I was just surprised that. An incumbent was defeated there. Nothing against Ron Estes; uh, he served as Sedgwick County Treasurer for a number of years. Definitely qualified to do the job, but with virtually no name identification outside of Sedgwick County. Yeah, the race that concerned me the most, John Arnold and I was obviously very pleasantly surprised, was the Kobach race. And you know, I've uh. talked about this one because I am passionate about Chris Kobach's uh, ability to lead the state where we're eventually going to have, hopefully, voter ID to where it's going to take care of the potential voter fraud problem. I'm not sure we have voter fraud in Kansas, but I am sure that under our current law, if we don't require identification when you vote, the potential for voter fraud certainly is there. So I think Kobach's going to take care of this. Yeah,
11: as uh, Earl pointed out uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was just last week, about the study that he's done about all the people who are on the voting rolls still, yeah. who don't exist. Uh, yeah. Potential is there. Um, but I, I'm not so sure why somebody, like you have not know, be knowledgeable as Earl was about the names of the people who don't exist anymore, but their names are still on the list, to go in and he could vote several times in different places. Yeah. But I don't know why you'd want to do that, really. You can't vote enough to swing an election. <laughs> I mean, even in Chicago, voting early and often. <laughs> Yeah, one person can't swing
2: an election. John, I'm sure you were watching the election results all night, Tuesday night. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah. uh, Coverage Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. On a scale of one to ten, uh, frankly, I spent probably a third of my time watching Fox, a third CNN, a third MSNBC. I was flipping back and forth, and had a pretty good taste of all three. I don't know what your viewing habits were. Uh, In fact, frankly, I had forgotten that CBS, ABC, and NBC actually covered elections, because I was flipping from one cable news network to the other. How about
6: you?
11: I flipped around quite a bit. Um, I did watch some NBC and MSNBC and CNN and even flipped over to Fox uh, for a little bit just to see what interesting angle they had on everything that was going on. But, and that's always fun to do uh, if you want to pay attention to it. Oh, by the way, interesting, I wanted to tell you, uh, on the Today Show, Matt Lauer has interviewed George W. Bush about his new book, mm-hmm. which apparently comes out sometime later this month. But there is a prime time interview between Matt and George W. Bush at 7 o'clock on Monday. So they've been doing little teasers. And one of the things they did this morning was ask, um, Ex-President Bush, former President Bush, what newspapers he reads or does he? And he says, "Well, now I read the Wall Street Journal." And he says, "I have an iPad and I go to Real, what is it? You call it Real Politico, Real Clear Politics, Real Clear Politics, and Politico.org to mm-hmm. look up that stuff." Mm-hmm. Those are two things that you mentioned that uh, that you like to follow. Well,
2: those are basically impartial uh, sites. Uh, They cover the political – yeah, I don't think Real Clear Politics uh, ever has done anything that would be politically untoward. Uh, They're looking at poll results, and basically it's just a site that if you're interested in polling done on any level in the United States, whether it's Rasmussen, whether it's a left-of-center poll, they've got it all on Real Clear Politics. Uh Just a great site. And that's basically what Politico does as well compilation of you know political news articles, but really without uh, a philosophical slant coming out of political. Both yep. of
11: them are good sites. One of the interesting little teaser things they did on Wednesday morning after the election, um, they asked former President Bush about the TARP money that he authorized. He said he had to do it, had to do it, just, there's no question about it. We had to save the economy. Everything was going down. If we hadn't put that uh, 800 billion into the TARP money, it would have been disastrous for our economy. Now that's interesting. I thought because uh, you get people on Fox saying how biased the mainstream media are in favor of Obama, and here they aired that the day before the election. It would have maybe had an impact on the election for Bush to say, "I would do it again, do it in a heartbeat." He Mm -hmm. said Mm -hmm. because. Everybody um, from the Tea Party folks would rail against Obama as putting the TARP money out there. And Bush, of course, did it. It was in September of 08.
2: John Arnold, you couldn't find 5% of a true Tea Party supporter that would vote for George W. Bush for anything, though. What you think? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's what started, that's really what gave uh, the Tea Party uh, its its birth, I think, was the fact that we had, you know, the George W. Bushes and the carl Rove's of the world. Wanting to infuse this seven eight hundred billion dollars into the economy to so to speak save it,
11: um, yeah. But it it morphed into Obama's problem. He did it. He's the one that did it. And um, and I never heard any Tea Party person criticize George W. Bush for for doing it. They always said it's it's this out of control spending in mm. Washington, Obamacare et cetera et cetera.
2: Now John, you've got to separate Tea Partiers from Republicans. If you're talking about that mainstream Rhino Republican, you're absolutely right. You know, just Obama, uh, Obama's bad, Obama's bad, Obama's bad. But if you're talking about a Tea Partier, if you've attended Tea Party rallies, believe you me, the Tea Partiers were talking about how the Republicans wrecked economic ruin on this country. Okay. And okay. Right. It really it has been is. continued, you know, through the Obama administration. No, really, the level of anger at a grassroots Tea Party event pretty much equal. Maybe not quite equal, maybe 60, 40, but believe you me, there is certainly a uh, strong underlying anger at what uh, the Republican Party did to this country economically.
6: Yeah.
11: Oh, absolutely. And um, let's see, who besides Rand Paul, who did we get as a Tea Party or elected?
2: Rubio out of Florida.
11: Was he Tea uh, Party? Okay. Yeah,
2: uh, Toomey out of Pennsylvania. Uh, would be the three most notable, still might get uh, Joe Miller out of Alaska. Right. Who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, right. Some defeats, Ken Buck, uh, Tea Party, Republican candidate for the Senate out of Colorado, went yeah, down but he, by... Well, that was really a close race, so. Very close, very close.
11: And Angle, of course.
2: Yeah, Angle, you know, it again, I, I've known Sharon Angle for a dozen or so years. She's been a guest on this show on several occasions over the past 12 years. Angle lost that race. Reed didn't win it. Uh, One of the things, in my opinion, John Arnold, that hurt Sharon Angle the most was the fact that she absolutely, for the last three to four months of the campaign, refused, refused to be interviewed by any local media outlet anywhere in the state of Nevada. The Angle campaign refused to give Angle's schedule, daily schedule, to the media Nevada. Now, if you're running, how can you run for the United States Senate and run a stealth cam- stealth campaign? Pretty hard. <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 her handlers. I I don't understand because Sharon Angle, I think one of the things that made Sharon Angle so attractive was the fact that she spoke from the heart. You know, and I guess it goes back to the definition of a political gaffe. John Arnold, I'm sure you know what yeah. that is. A political gaffe is when a politician makes the mistake and tells the truth.
6: Um,
11: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Sarah Palin was advising Engel and Michelle Bachman and Haley in South Carolina and who was the other woman that was uh, a Tea Party? Oh, well, O'Connell. O'Donnell. Yeah. O'Donnell, rather. Um, yeah, she said, don't talk to any of the media except Fox News. Well, of course, she's paid by Fox News. And... Uh, but the idea was that they're going to they're going to distort your thoughts or views or play up if you make a gap. Well, of course they are, and they should. You yeah,
2: there's some logic to that, you know, that uh, obviously the mainstream media is not favorably inclined to support conservatives, but it just simply means that you have to be careful about what you say, but you can't totally ignore the press if you're running for a national office, if you're running for the United States Senate, not to send... <clears throat> you know, your Las Vegas TV stations, the Las Vegas Review Journal, by the way, which is pretty much a centrist paper, it's not <coughs> off-the-charts liberal, uh-huh. not to send them your daily schedule where you're going to be yeah. I, it just defies logic. And I'm I'm really disappointed in Sharon Angle's handlers, you know, for not just unleashing Sharon Angle to say what Sharon Angle yeah. truly believed. Yep. yep, uh, yep. That's you? part of the charm of her.
11: Yeah, you've seen uh, handlers hurt candidates time and again. Um, I think the worst was probably the handlers of Bob Dole when he ran for president. They, um, they said, uh, don't make any wisecracks. Don't play off the cuff. And they did that after James Carville said, well, Dole's going to be an attack dog. He's going to use his sarcasm, and he's going to make nasty comments about Clinton and so on. Well, Dole has a great sense of humor. And he should have been unleashed, but now they tied him up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. I think that that took away all of who Bob Dole was.
2: Yeah, a horrible campaign. Yeah, Uh, It really was, because basically I think the message most voters walked away from, you know, when Bob Dole was nominated uh, on the Republican ticket to run for president, well, I'm getting old and it's my turn. That was pretty much the theme of the campaign. If you don't elect me now, well, I'm getting pretty long of the tooth. (laughs) You either elect me now. Or it's pretty much over yeah. without any reasons given why the voters should have looked at Bob Dole. It was yeah, just, uh,
11: yeah.
2: there and, was no and, message in that campaign.
11: And had he been unleashed to use his humor, everybody would have seen it. The man has a sharp, sharp mind. Yeah, And um, he was well known, along with Simpson from Wyoming, as being two of the most fun people to be around mm-hmm. because of that wit. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And
2: Pat Roberts has kind of uh, assumed that medal now because Pat Roberts is another one that's got a pretty quick wit. Does he? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, pretty good at humor himself. But you're right, Bob Dole. You know, on a scale of one to ten in terms of a quality campaign,
11: man. That,
2: that's yeah, and, and
11: you know, if uh, if Angle has something worthwhile, she ought to be unleashed to talk to the media and and put it all out there and say it over and over again.
2: Well, absolutely, because Harry Reid, you know, painted her as this extremist. Sure. And the voters never got to know Sharon Engel. Yeah. Never got to know her sure. because her handlers just wouldn't allow Engel to talk to anybody. And uh, it, I think it hurt. It just kind of reinforced Harry Reid, you know, just banging away every day, well, this woman's too extreme to be in the United States Senate. And I think the voters finally bought into that nonsense. Well, I say nonsense. They bought into it because the voters never got to really hear anything out of Sharon Engel other than pre-cut commercials yeah and uh, so it's understandable. And, you know, you, you uh, judge
11: people by how they react to the spontaneous question. sure and um, we're used to having people who are good at answering those questions off the wall questions off frequently frankly from the media and you say mm-hmm. what? <laughs>
2: well as disappointed as I am because I'm uh, an admirer of Sharon Angle, I think she would have been a great vote. You know, and again, I'm speaking obviously from the conservative right. I think she would have been a good senator in that respect. Uh That's a train I saw coming down the track that uh, we're not going to win this uh, because of the way the campaign was handled. So, so John, I didn't see a lot of surprises nationally. I think uh, when the Connecticut uh, vote results came in, I think it showed that the Tea Party movement, it wasn't going to sweep the country the way that several of us hoped that it was going to. It, the Connecticut vote was one I think that was key, because the Republicans had a fairly strong candidate in McMahon, the Democrats had a very weak candidate in uh, that, you know, He was the one, of course, that lied about his service in Vietnam, yep. and if there was going to be an upset in the making early on in the evening, that was going to be it. Uh, But the polls consistently showed that uh, Blumenthal was going to win by 10 to 12 points. And once the early results came in, that's where it was, 10 to 12 points. So it showed the mood of the country was going to be fairly predictable. There weren't going to be any major surprises throughout the course of the evening. And there really weren't.
11: And one of the other uh, things, trends, I guess you might say, or conclusions, is that uh, money didn't cast the vote. Because the USA Today did a, an analysis of how much McMahon spent per vote. It was like $55 and Blumenthal spent $12,
6: mm-hmm.
11: something like that. And they did the same thing in California where Mae Quitman spent $142 million of her own money or something like that and um, and got beat by Jerry Brown. I don't remember what the numbers were per vote. And Carly Fiorina spent a whole lot of money and got uh, beaten by Boxer. mm mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And that was a little bit of a surprise there, because Boxer has been been there a long time, and was uh, reputed to be the most liberal of, of the senators, uh, yeah, certainly a, in, in the top five,
2: and not an easy person to get along with. Is that right? Yeah, uh, from what I've heard, you know, from the, kind of the inside of the Beltway friends of mine, that uh, very difficult person to be around. Uh-huh. They said so.
11: Well, I don't know that I've met. Yeah. I hadn't. I've never met her. I met Diane Feinstein when she was mayor, and also when she was senator. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that she was a very sharp lady.
6: Mm-hmm.
11: Uh, she did a super job as mayor of San Francisco after Mayor White wasn't. No, no, White was the killer, the shooter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Milk.
2: Yeah, Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk. I think yeah, yeah.
11: Was uh, assassinated. Yeah.
2: John, let's take a look. Uh, John Arnold's with me as he is each and every Friday from nine to ten. Talking about the top stories of the week, localizing it. Let's bring it uh, into some of the local races. Sure. County Commission, Shelley Beeler. She uh, she garnered 58 percent of the vote. Uh, Carol Marple, 42 percent.
11: Yeah. Your analysis yeah. of that one. What happened? Well, Sh- Shelly's uh, a very attractive candidate um, and um, a, a sensible commissioner. She's done a very good job as both mayor of Rossville and then as commissioner. I think that she hasn't gotten involved in the internecine warfare with Vic miller she's managed to stay above that or below the radar whichever way you want to call it Um, but she hasn't engaged in any of the games that uh, Vic is prone to play and and i think that was recognized i think because as an independent if you get that higher percentage that's pretty unusual and then of course you've got the treasurer election issue
2: John, I don't know that we're on the same page on this one. And again, I like Shelley Beuler. I've talked to so many people that know the Bueller family in Rossville. I mean, this is just truly a a great, great family in terms of values, the whole nine yards. And I think Shelley's dedication to her job, hardworking, she's involved in a lot of things in Topeka. But John Arnold, I think Shelley was hurt by this whole petition issue. I think Shelley Beuler would have won this race 80-20, 80% for Bueller, 20% opposed. If it wouldn't have been for this whole petition fiasco, I think it hurt her big time.
11: I think, had she... If she would have
2: had a name opponent, somebody that was known in the Republican circles that could have gone out and raised some money to use this issue against Shelley Bueller, she would have been in trouble, in my opinion. I think they could have.
11: I think she made a mistake in not voting uh, against taking the fuel tax money. And she should have just sat there and said, we've got to solve our own budget problems and not create them for the city. You bet. But... That was a mistake, but other than that, I think she's been a very good commissioner.
2: Oh, I agree. I agree. I I think she's dedicated. Uh, I think she truly has a commitment to doing what she thinks is right as far as improving her quality of life. I'm not anti-Shelley Beeler, but I think she made a huge mistake on this petition. On this petition, I say a huge mistake because keep in mind, folks, for three hours, Shelley Beeler kept making motion after motion after motion on how Shawnee County could reduce government spending and Miller and Inslee said over there neither one would second any of her motions. not one time did Ted Inslee speak up and we didn't expect Miller to obviously but Ted Inslee over three hours never spoke up and said okay I'll second this one this makes sense yeah so after three hours Shelley finally caved in and agreed to that uh, crazy petition you know issued were to balance the books of Shawnee County they just kept two million dollars that should have been transferred to the city and as a result now we're into a hell of a mess on a possible special election that's going to cost this community a lot of and money
11: so there's still uh, well Vic still trying to play a little game about the election yep. but I uh, and I think you know that probably the public probably judged the election of the treasurer as you've talked about in the past they were with you in that they didn't want to give the power of appointment to the commission. Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm.
11: Don't you think? Mm-hmm.
2: I do. I do. It'll, it'll be interesting if this issue is brought up four years from now. If uh, Commissioner Miller is gone out of elective politics, if you had that vote again, you know what would yeah. happen. And I think consolidation of city county government, the same thing, uh, would hold true. You know, we're going to have to have a changing of the guard politically before anybody is going to sign off on consolidation of government.
11: Yeah, I based think. on who
2: ultimately would be in control.
11: I think that's right.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, Large part of it. You bet. John, do you see any rising stars uh, in Shawnee County for the Democrat Party? Anything surprise you as far as legislative races? Were you following any of those?
11: I tried to follow a little bit, but uh, of <laughs> course, you know, I only have in my, my district, um, Lana Gordon and Kyle Kessler. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a lot of mailings sent out, and I I heard, Lana, on your program. Um, But beyond that, not not much. And um, any of the other candidates, I just didn't hear a thing about. Of course, I wouldn't. Um, They're not going to mail me stuff from another district if I can't vote for them.
2: Kyle Kessler, uh, again, we're talking about, folks, uh, probably the second most fiscally conservative legislative district in Shawnee County. Mike Burgess represents the most conservative. Landa Gordon has uh, held her seat for a number of years, quite a number of years, in uh-huh. southwest Topeka. Yep. And she was, uh, <coughs> I don't want to say seriously challenged. Kyle Kessler raised a ton of money and The work ethic was there to defeat Lana Gordon, Well, Lana Gordon ended up, you know, it's a very, very safe Republican seat, and personally, I think Lana's done a good job as far as fiscal responsibility in that district, but I was surprised that the Democrats trained their sights at Lana Gordon, because again, the makeup of that district. It's overwhelmingly Republican, a very fiscally conservative district. I represented it several years ago, and I know the makeup of the district. It just seemed like a waste of time, money, and effort going into that district for the money the Democrats spent.
11: Yeah, yeah. well, Lana did work hard. I sh- she came to my door and knocked, and we visited a little bit, and uh, apparently Kessler came to my door also. He left a little flyer. I didn't get to see him and talk with him, but uh, he was out knocking on doors. Yeah, Kessler. <laughs> do. Yeah, Mr. Kessler, I never
2: met, and uh didn't hear from Mr. Kessler during the uh, campaign, so... I don't know, uh, but the work ethic was certainly there. But I would agree with uh, Doug Mays that the candidate that possibly is going to be the rising star in the Republican ranks would be Becky Neosi. I uh, had her on the show. I had never met the woman before, had never heard the name before until I had her on the show as a candidate. And uh, just very, very impressive as far as her work ethic.
11: Well, Obviously, she, got the, uh, she got a fair percentage of the vote. Yes, she did, yeah. I don't remember how it worked out, but uh,
2: 3,200 to 3,000, roughly, in a okay. seat that's been held by the Democrats for 30 plus years. So, wow. so Becky Niosi really was, I think, the shining star, possibly, on the Republican side of the ledger uh-huh. on Tuesday night. And uh, so,
11: interesting stuff. Well, yeah, and it's going to be hard to to figure where Democratic leadership comes from, other yeah. than out of out of the senate perhaps uh, the state senate because you know brownback isn't going to appoint anybody from the other side to any cabinet position and even if he did that person would be um, not an independent uh, spokesman for anything on the democratic side I wouldn't think yeah it would be interesting to see how he organizes his cabinet and the state and what he does for the budget
2: yeah I don't know uh... Politically, I think it's a smart move, and I assume public policy-wise, it is too. That he's getting off to a good start in the respect that he's not, you know, coming across as this part partisan slash and burn social conservative Republican. Because if you take a look at his cab, uh, his transition team, and he said it the best. He said, "This is an eclectic group of people," and it is an eclectic group of people. A lot of these. People that were named to his transition team have been involved in uh, Republican politics for many, many years, several of which would be viewed as left of center, maybe rhino Republicans to be unkind to them, but at least left of center Republicans. So Senator Brownback really tapped into a pretty good cross-section of Kansas in terms of the Republican Party. This is not uh, a group stacked with uh, conservative Republicans by any stretch of the imagination interesting group
4: yeah it'd be interesting
11: to see what he uh, comes up with for his proposed budget and changes yeah. from what's happened in the past yeah you would expect that he would come in with a rollback of the sales tax but yeah. if he does that mm-hmm. then you have to say okay you're still looking reported in the paper today as a three or four hundred mm-hmm. million dollar deficit for revenues for this year how do you how do you cover it? yeah, yeah. Well, Dave Uh, Jackson's
2: going to be with us in a few minutes. I'll ask Dave about uh, the rollback of the sales tax. I'm sure that would warm his little heart, you know, being a businessman in Shawnee County, to (laughs) see the sales tax rollback. And, again, I think if I was selling cars, especially in the Kansas City area, you know, to where now I'm at a 1% disadvantage to the state of Missouri on a major purchase, I think I'd be somewhat inclined to say, you know, maybe rolling the sales tax back, Not a bad idea.
11: We had, I had an experience with sales tax and that 1% differential when I was an assistant in Texarkana, Texas. And Texarkana, Texas is right across the state line from Texarkana, Arkansas. Uh And the main commercial street runs east-west, and so there's a dividing line, and half the businesses are on the Arkansas side and half are on the Texas side. And one year, about 68, 69, something like that, uh, the Texas legislature gave local one or to for some pr- purpose. Uh
6: huh.
11: Texas, Arcana, Texas, put a package together for a whole bunch of projects that they wanted to do streets and so on, parks and so on, and the, uh, the public voted for that 1% sales tax increase. And of course, the business said, hey, that's going to put us in a heck of a disadvantage to so the guys over just across the street. Sure. walk over there and buy your suit for 1% less. Yeah. Well, after three years of no nobody walking across the street to save a percent, the Arkansas guys went to their legislature and said, give us the right to have a 1% sales tax so we don't have our streets fall behind and all of that. They approved it, and they got their 1%. So that was a very good model that uh, huh. it obviously gave no economic advantage to the businesses with a 1% tax difference. Interesting as can be. Huh. Yeah, uh, John, hey,
2: we will look forward to seeing you next Friday, my friend.
11: Oh, yeah, it is that time, isn't it? Yes, it is. You've uh, racked up another hour of my week.
2: Yes, indeed, and uh, according to our mutual friend, you once again carried the show. Yeah, Thank right, yeah, right. Uh, well, Very flattering, very flattering email. Yeah, said. well, that's
11: awfully nice. Yes, that's
2: nice of you. It is. Um, my check is in the mail? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> cut it off. It's in the mail. John, you have a great weekend, my friend. It's a coat check you always send. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jim. John Take care. Arnold. Big Jackson on deck. And, again, if you've got a lawn and garden question, Cates at cjonline.com. More to come. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. I'm Jim Cates.
12: CJOnline.com has been upgraded. And it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than
7: ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it.
12: As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz.
7: Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary.
12: In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers.
7: Experience local news and sports at
12: CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas news Connection.
13: Okay. Topeka Collegiate, Topeka's only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small-class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at topekacollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School. Educating children for life.
0: Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones stuck away in the desk drawer, haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve.
4: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
1: We're back with Jim Cates at CJOnline.com, your source for live internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim.
2: Okay, we are back. Hey, don't forget Monday—a little different uh, type of show. Of course, we've got Tim Ritscher coming in at eight. And we're going to be talking about city hall and courthouse issues at 9 o'clock. Kevin Heskin is coming in. Oh, boy. And Kevin, huh? Our, yeah, of sports that? talk. You know, we haven't done that in a long time. No, you haven't. So we thought we'd take a break from politics and just have an hour of sports talk. Next Friday at 8 o'clock. Folks, you don't want to miss it. It's been a long time since he's made a media appearance. Uh, a friend of mine, Dave Meneally, our former sheriff, is going to Hey, be joining
14: us. good Dave. I get yeah. to see Dave occasionally. He's a good customer, he and his wife. Yeah. His wife, Sandy, was a teacher. She worked for us one summer. Oh, well, she did. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Lady. Sandy
2: uh, Meneally taught uh, my grandson oh. Landon. She mm-hmm. was a teacher at Landon, I think, right before she retired. And uh, Ryan had her and really liked her. Just a nice lady. Good teacher, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you doing, Dave Jackson?
14: Well, thank you. Well, I've had uh, the experience this past week on Tuesday and Thursday afternoon of watching my uh, granddaughter play in her first junior high basketball games. Oh boy! And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and so, but her mother, for those of you that remember when Seaman was six A state champion in basketball, her mother was the point guard for Seaman, and. Uh, was known for her defense and and uh, and getting the ball off to other people. And her her daughter does that very well. Moves the ball around. Is always where the uh, has good precognition, precognition, precognitive skills in terms of where the ball going to go. So she's In on a lot of steals. Gets the ball dished off. Like her mom, however, she, uh, at least for these first two ball games, she uh, can't hardly hit the broadside of a barn. Shooting, she's, uh, with the season starting, she's rushing her shot, and uh, she's like one for ten so far. And they lost, they lost the game against Washburn Rural Junior High by one point, mainly because Shayla wasn't hitting her shots. And uh, the uh, Shawnee Heights girls, they lost yesterday big time, big time, because this particular group of Shawnee Heights girls has played together since they were second graders, all of them going through. On a, one of the competitive teams in town, and plus the girls were uh, roughly 50% larger than the Seaman girls. Those girls look like eighth graders or ninth graders, and the Seaman girls, of course, little, well, little, comparat- comparatively speaking. So probably well, middle school.
2: This is the learning experience. This is the learning curve. You know, just to get the basics <laughs> down.
14: Well, it it is, or it used to be, but but now, I mean, if in these larger schools, you don't make the team if you haven't. If you don't already know the game, you have to. You, you, they're yep. not. They're not. This isn't uh, rudimentary stuff anymore. These girls are. It's 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 way ahead of where it used to be. Um, well, I'm sure you're you're right there. But I mean, yeah. uh, so it's fairly it's pretty competitive. But
2: but well, my son still, was in wrestling. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you know, a kid going out for wrestling in middle school. Probably too late.
14: Oh yeah, because
2: right. the Topeka tornadoes. You know, we started. Matt started wrestling. Yeah, the junior nine Vikings, or, ten right. or whatever.
14: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My grandson started at five. Yeah, yeah. And so they, uh, yeah, it's it's Pretty all young our, age. Yeah. And soccer's the same way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and baseball is too. So I mean, it's all they get. Kids get an earlier start now. Yeah. So Yeah. Uh,
2: now, when we were growing up, we had a sand lot in the neighborhood, and that's where we learned to play. Sure, right. Yeah. Sun up to sundown.
14: Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Didn't have we any mentioned.
14: coaches, that's for sure. Well, you
2: mentioned Tuesday, Dave Jackson. I'm sure you were viewing the election results with uh, obviously some interest. Your b- the and biggest some surprise relish. and yeah. some relish. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest surprise. Anything at any level of government surprise you Tuesday night?
14: Uh, once the results started coming out, Dave Jackson, what? One surprise was uh, the strength of this of this clean sweep program and, uh, of all of the Republicans just um, trounced their impo- opponents. The nearest race was what eight, ten points, maybe even twelve
6: mm-hmm.
14: at the state level. It was the uh, the size of that was a surprise. The of the distances. Uh, the disappointment was, I guess, that Becky uh, Neosi didn't win. I thought that uh, she would get closer than that. Really? I thought she ran a close race, considering that seat hadn't been
2: held by a Republican since I've been in Topeka. And we moved here no, in it 1975.
14: Hadn't. Right, it hasn't really, and it's a <coughs> tough seat. But uh, I, I really thought she had a, a shot at it this year, especially. I mean, with the and that's the other surprise. I didn't realize that so many entrenched incumbents in other districts would get beat. What do we, the net gain in the Kansas 16. House was sixteen. Right. Sixteen. That makes it yeah. veto-proof. Of course, now we've got mm-hmm. a governor that we don't have to veto. Worry about the vetoes, either. Yeah. I mean, because. Uh,
2: but the problem has never been in the House for the Republicans. The problem has always been in the Senate.
14: Well, absolutely. When it's you philosophically. Philosophically, speak. because you got the. When I was in the Senate, we had fifteen on the right, fifteen on the left, mm-hmm. um, and interestingly enough. Uh, Lynn Jenkins, Nick Jordan, and Dave Jackson were the three right in the middle,
5: mm-hmm.
14: and would. Uh, you know Lynn was always called a, a moderate, simply because she was a she was a pro-abortion or mm-hmm. not pro-life, whatever you want to call it. But fiscally, she was about the same as I was, and all the other social issues. Everywhere, we were right down the line together, and Nick Jordan, of course, was on. Uh, was probably one step on my right, Lynn being one step on my left. So it was always kind of interesting on roll call votes uh, how those three would vote because a lot of times that would tell the story of how that issue was going to go on those politically um, divisive issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, Interesting. Well, you know, I think
2: Lynn Jenkins has her toughest vote coming up in a couple of weeks. That's for House leadership. (coughs) because they're at the top three slots uh... no competition the number four slot michelle bachman just announced that she's running for the fourth leadership position really and she's running against uh... somebody a congressman from texas and i'm unfamiliar with the name
14: well these are but all democrats we're talking about if we're talking about leadership in the house or are you talking about minority leadership
2: dave we won
14: uh... we oh, took control oh, of the house <laughs> Absolutely right. I was thinking Senate. Never huh? mind. I had yeah. a, a brain yeah. lock yes. up there just for <laughs> yeah. a moment. Yeah, yeah. we got we the were. House. Absolutely. So, yeah. So some uh So this is so
2: gonna be yeah, there's somebody from the moderate camps, uh, I and Michelle Bachman basically that would be the Tea Party Republican. Great. Running against What's uh, the fourth slot? What would the fourth slot be? Well you got whip. That would be your majority whip?
14: Yeah. You'd get your you'd got your uh speaker, majority leader. And what would be the third you've got speaker majority leader, majority leader, and then next would be in
2: the house um I think the whip there's a third one but the fourth would be
14: is it the, the assistant whip. speaker, and then fourth is the whip?
2: The whip would be number four, I believe I think, but at know. any rate, it's going to be a philosophical run for the roses. With Bachman representing the Tea Party, that'll be an interesting
14: vote. And
2: uh, it'll be interesting to see how Kansas votes on this. I'm anticipating Hills Camp would line up solidly with no Bachman.
14: No question about it. Yeah,
2: don't think there's any doubt there. Pompeo probably would go Bachman. Yoder, I'm going to assume would go with the more moderate. Really? Uh, <coughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, and again, I don't know who this guy is. Don't know anything about him other than it's a congressman from Texas. So. Okay. But he is has been identified as. Out of the moderate old guard camp, okay. if you will, yeah. And then Jenkins, it'll be interesting to see how our Kansas congressional delegation votes on this.
14: You'll have a report for us, right? <laughs> Indeed we will. Okay. Indeed we will, and none of that
2: has absolutely anything to do with lawn and garden issues. Nope, it doesn't. But Why don't we take a break and us, about. let's get into that. Uh, sales tax, though, one last question for you politically. Do you think Sam Brownback, Governor-elect Brownback is going to be successful on basically taking this 1% sales tax increase off the books? It will
14: all hinge upon, in my view, whether or not um, this next education lawsuit that was just filed is successful in court. There's no way if uh, the the courts continue to... to, uh, Establish funding levels instead of the legislature that that you can get enough control of the budget because of our of our general fund budget uh, education is Way past half 60 70 percent somewhere in there now of the general fund budget. It's just You can't yeah, you can't that's the the elephant you can't deal with and so uh, I I just hope that some of these uh, judges Figure out that what they what's been done is a violation of state constitution, and I don't know why we don't fight that in Supreme Court or do something. I surely would think that there's an, a, a higher authority than our state Supreme Court who is not the most brilliant group in the whole world I've ever met.
2: Let's just hope
14: yeah, Governor-elect Brownback has an appointment or two. That's Good the point. key. I mean, if he does his budget correctly, possibly can. Um, If I can talk on his team, is Jay Himmler, who uh, is, of course, uh, was the chair of House Ways and Means, uh, state Senate Ways and Means. He'll probably move up now to majority leader, and then there'll be a new uh, Ways and Means committee chair. Uh, One can only pray that it isn't Gene Schodorf. Um, But uh, anyhow, it all hinges upon us getting a handle on budgets, state budgets, and that means zero-based budgeting. If he can do that, certainly, we can can roll that 1% back in a heartbeat. There you have. All righty. Dave
2: Jackson. Stay tuned, folks.
8: Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees, to everything your garden needs. Jackson says, just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day.
4: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
9: Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in Mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top-of-the-line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lenore, Robert Mark, L.A. Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost Line, located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka, or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique, eyewear for life.
10: This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at
1: 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email Jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back with Dave Jackson
2: Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. And swapping political war stories (laughs) off the air, which is always fun to do. Yeah. What about this is going to be? You know, uh, winter weather is just, unfortunately, right around the corner.
14: It is. Six more weeks of fall, but um, anyway. It uh, uh, had a frost this morning. We had sprayed our stuff um, with a new product out that was just out this year. Uh, that protects your plants six degrees that you only have to put down 12 hours ahead of time so yesterday we went out and sprayed the stuff uh, and uh, saved all of our blooms on our mums saved all of our perennials they're not going to be down frozen back or anything everything outdoors that was a soft perennial we saved so this is a product that folks ought to ought to be looking at especially uh, next spring when they're planting New product. It's not a furlone product, but it is an excellent product. Worked for us. I'm here to tell you. I mean, it dropped to 28 or 29 there at the greenhouse this morning because we're down in the valley, mm-hmm. and uh, took care of it. So uh, protected those plants. I don't know how it works or what it does, but it uh, the colloidal uh, suspension in the in uh, in the uh, uh, molecules that are in the the uh, leaf mm-hmm. don't. Uh, just uh, don't freeze something and it makes a six degree difference mm-hmm. protect six degrees that's the best the best you can get so far
2: huh I'll be so you can use that uh, if it gets down to 33 minus 6 if it gets down to 26
14: degrees then it would lose its effectiveness
2: but if it's a slight
14: freeze yeah then 26 should be good it's 32 minus 6 so 26 you're good Twenty-six, twenty-five, and, and it, it, that all depends on conditions as well. Of course, mm-hmm. you never know in terms of of uh, what wind is there, what's happening that night, what the relative humidity is, how that goes. But it's at, it's it'll protect at least six. So that's a good. It's a new product, and it works. When would you use this? When in the spring, in the spring. If you've got your tomato plants out there, ah, uh, and, sure. And you're trying you're trying to grow some tomato plants, then. Spray those suckers or peppers or, or whatever else you might have. If they're saying, well, we're going to have a late frost, you got 12 hours, that frost doesn't come until morning. The product before that used to do this, which was only good for 3 or 4 degrees, you had to have it on a couple of days ahead of time. Well, you don't always have two days of, of warning to do this. This is 12 hours, so you can come home from work, 5 p.m., spray your stuff, and 5 a.m. when that frost hits... You're going to be, you're protected. That's the beauty of it.
2: So does this mean somebody that's growing tomatoes, will say commercially, can basically move the date uh, ahead of week? They can start planting a week ahead of when they would normally would plant tomatoes?
14: Well, the guys that are growing tomatoes commercially, and they're really trying to hit the head of the season, already have them covered with frost caps. They, they plant them, and then they cap them right away. It's, it's a hot cap, it's called, and... Uh, so they shouldn't have to. It's it's the the home gardeners that uh, that didn't okay. bother to uh, put put their stuff under caps, and of course that's 99% of them. Uh, they can save their plants with this. Okay, it comes in a ready-to-use squirt bottle or or the, a gallon refill. So you normally are supposed to plant your tomatoes in well, the second week of May. Well, they're absolutely safe after the 10th of May. But a lot of people, lots of people, come in and plant them April fifteenth, mm. um, and that's the average date. So your chance of getting frost is fifty mm-hmm. percent uh, beyond that. So it's a, a really neat product and worked well for us. Okay. But anyway,
2: so buy it now. And again, the product will keep over the winter, so you sure. can buy yeah. it today, yeah. put it on the shelf, and that way you'll have it next spring.
14: Well, that's a good good plan, I guess. We have it uh, out there in the middle of the store. So, Anyhow.
2: For products like that, Dave Jackson, uh, buying the, these products now, what are you looking at, looking at Dave Jackson's crystal ball, and again, somewhat getting back to politics, I guess, where we're going to go in this country in terms of inflation?
6: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, if you're betting on inflation hitting, if you're betting on deflation, what would you do? Let's take this product and the name of it again. Uh,
14: frostproof. Frostproof. Yeah, pretty simple.
2: All right. Is it going to save you money? Possibly to buy it now. Looking at now, we're looking at this fro- frostproof through political eyes and looming inflation.
14: Well, yeah, for sure because we've booked we've booked our order at this at this year's prices. We're locked in against price increases as long as our initial order holds. We won't, uh, and so. Uh, our second order, uh, number one, won't fr- reflect the discount that we received when we bought the product initially. We buy the product early and, and get a discount and price it accordingly. The second shipment around may, in fact, have a price increase. The uh, the people that, uh, for example, the people that have plastics uh, have already posted their price increases for uh, 2011. I've got to get my order in in the next Uh, week or so or we'll have a a price increase on the product that we're putting down. So they're coming, absolutely they're coming. Anything
2: in particular to where you're seeing a huge price increase next spring, something that we could purchase today at Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center to where uh, purchasing that same item six months down the road is going to be 25% more expensive? Anything that, looking through your crystal ball, you can see that happening?
14: What do you think? Uh, well, the stuff that, the uh, nitrogen and those kinds of things that are based on petroleum products, um, we could be looking at a pretty significant increase in, in petroleum prices, If, uh, and that would be the one primarily that would make a difference on people's lawns. It probably won't be a... Ah, well and a lot of that you can't look through the crystal ball sometimes you'll have a plant go down and right now those are so uh, consolidated that if you have one plant go down out of the five or six that are now producing ammonium nitrate then you'll see a significant price increase because the demand doesn't go down but the supply does and those these uh, these plants are seem to be susceptible to massive uh, blowups or meltdowns uh, occasionally for example phosphorus in the in your some of your fertilizers uh, the year and a half ago the price just shot up so anything that had mm-hmm. phosphorus in it uh, such as the new lawn starter went up to forty five dollars a bag and it's come back down now to thirty five dollars a bag for example just as an example
6: mm-hmm
14: so anyway uh, some of those are hard to look at in terms of what's happening uh, and then, of course, the other thing is uh, so much of our product comes from China. It's a trade balance between China, the yen, and the, and the American dollar.
2: Well, you know, just looking at the whole economic situation in this country, I'm convinced to the core of my soul, at some point in time, in the not-too-distant future, we're going to be looking at high inflation, you at gotta, least high inflation.
14: You've got to pay for it at some point.
2: Yeah, we do. When that's going to happen, I don't know. You know, as far as, so I guess what we're taking a look at at our house, the shelf life of products. You know, buying now, but how long is the shelf life of that product? Sure. Whether it's worth the risk, mm-hmm. you know, where do you draw that line, so to speak? Course, and the right. same thing would apply in your business. Mm-hmm.
14: I would expect uh, paper products would be a safe one to buy a lot ahead of, of, for example. Sure. Uh, Which we have. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway. I do most of my shopping at the bent can store for my food stuff, so uh, I buy the the cans that uh, got dented, so I buy cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Well, that's about that.
2: <laughs> but, you know, again, you're buying at Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, I'm sure, taking a look at, you know, the economic forecast as well. Right. What can we buy today and feel safe in storing for a year?
14: Uh, basically, all of our chemicals, uh, just not... The stuff that has the uh, live bacteria in it, those are gonna, those have a shelf life, a definite (laughs) shelf life of about a year. Uh So, but all of our other chemicals, as long as you, and some of them will freeze, as long as they don't freeze, and and as long as you keep the container somewhere where it's not in direct sunlight, we'll we'll keep virtually uh, uh, ten years. Yeah, if you wanted to project that far out and of course the other main reason to buy some of these chemicals is of course the fact that you may not be able to get them next year government action taking them off the market.
2: Good point Do we have a list of those?
14: Well seven is one that's uh, uh, nearby next four or five years won't pass the next round Malathion Um, just to name two for sure um Rooting hormone I think will be back it's currently being held up right now uh, for EPA registration kind of interesting I don't I don't know what the hold up is but uh, we're having to sell from existing stock right now I can't yeah. uh, I can't get uh, the rooting hormone powder that we've had for years
2: on that note
14: on that note it's time for a break. let's
2: take a break. Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, folks, and again, this is a good phone number to have written down, 232-3416, because if you've got you know, that question that comes up in terms of gardening, uh, lawn maintenance, whatever the case may be, tree plantings, whatever, it's a good number to have written down because seven days a week there's somebody there that can answer your question. So give Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center a call at 234- 232-3416. And uh, you've always got an answer to your lawn and garden questions at your fingertips with that phone number. Okay, again, jim.kates at cjonline.com if you've got a question or a comment. would love to hear from you. We'll be back. Stay tuned. More to come.
8: Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape, planning, and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees, to everything your garden needs, Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day.
4: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear
9: Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in Mid-America, but their frame selection is world class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top-of-the-line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, L.A. Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Fodenhouse, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka, or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life.
10: This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at
1: 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email Jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim.
2: Okay, we well back. I just found the button to punch. Uh, Tim Riche,r 8 o'clock Monday morning. Great guest, and he's with us every Monday. And uh, Kevin Haskin, he's going to be joining us at 9 o'clock Monday. We're going to be spending an hour talking about sports. And next Friday we've got uh, former Sheriff Dave Manili joining me at 8 o'clock. So that's our lineup so far. And, of course, Dave Jackson, you will be back with us at 10 o'clock next Friday.
14: That'd be the plan, and, I think. And then John I think Arnold, of course, be there, right? he'll
2: be in at 9 next who Friday.
14: Else, who else, though, on nine?
4: Uh,
2: it's going to be him. Tom Erskine Day, I think. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Tom Erskine, okay. Lee Hartman. Not sure. Jim, we Jim were
14: Michael. missing somebody today, yeah. weren't
2: you? Yeah. We were. Tom Erskine, and I don't know what happened, possibly it was Meyer. <laughs> Occasionally, I make one of those. I'm sure. One or two of those. We do. <laughs> Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. This is the time of the year we need to be doing what to our lawns? I'm just, I was reading Annette's tips.
14: Right, we uh, time to enjoy your time in the lawn. Um, if you go out in your lawn and you see some little tiny broadleaf weeds coming up, uh, that's henbit and chickweed, mm-hmm. or dandelions can be uh, will be germinating now. This is the time, and um, K-State's uh, Extension Services uh, uh, newsletter this past week talked about now is the time to get out and eliminate broadleaf weeds. We've talked about this before on the show, weed free zone, and it was recommended in the, in the K State newsletter by name for loam weed free zone uh, because it's the product that's Trimec plus Carfentrazone, Carfentrazone, uh, that uh, will kill weeds in the cold weather. And of course, we carry it in a uh, uh, liquid concentrate, which is less expensive, but if, if the Ease of application is is important to you. We it also comes in a granule. You can get it get out there and spread that, and uh, mm-hmm. that eliminates what are called winter annuals, which is henbit and chickweed, that germinate in the fall, winter over, and then of course spring up in the early spring and pre- present you with all of those purple flowers,
6: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the
14: perennial weeds that germinate in the fall, such as dandelions and. If you have it, uh, curly dock and plantain and some of these other things that are fall uh, germinating perennials that you can eliminate when they're little and much easier to get rid of and much cleaner a yard next year. So that
4: this is the <laughs> time to do that,
14: right? And of course, then all of the people on our program, uh, our loam Four Bag program, uh, have been called to start considering putting on their winterizer sometime in the month of November. Great time to winterize your lawn. Uh, second most important application of the season or it's the most important if you didn't get get it done in the f- in the fall early fall the lawn food plus iron now is the time to do winterizer so got to get that down or should get that down What that does here's the reason you put it down and uh, is that it uh, puts the reserves uh, into that root system in the crown of the grass right now while while we've still got some warm days and all that kind of stuff the grass saves up. And that way, it greens up earlier next spring. With what's key to a lot, of, maybe key to a lot of people, you don't have to fertilize in, in the spring as much, and uh, you have less top growth. If you wait to fertilize in the spring, then you're going to promote more top growth, and you'll be mowing all the time. So, uh, that's the uh, application uh, that we uh, think is really important uh, is winterizer, and uh, so. Uh, in terms of the other kinds of things you need to be doing. Now, coming
2: back, to you know, the oh. chickweed and henbit, you okay. say it needs to be done now. Now's the time.
14: This is when it's germinating, huh?
2: Let's define now. Up until what period of time?
14: Well, if it snows, it's hard to spray that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... I mean, you know, a hard freeze,
2: you can still lay it down. Then.
14: Yeah, you can still do it down. As long, with carfenture you zone, can, you can spray or put the weed-free zone on uh, down to roughly 45 degrees daytime temperature. Oh, okay. Uh, because okay. It, it that chemical, that Carfentra zone, carries the chemical into the plant and uh, down to the root uh, until it. But once the temperatures, the daytime temperatures reach mid uh, mid 40s and below, if that's the high temperature of the 24-hour day, then you're starting to. Reduce the effectiveness of how it's going to work.
6: Okay,
2: okay. So, so there's,
14: your, there's your... there's A lot of time. time. Yeah.
2: Good to get well, it down now hopefully. while the weather's going to be halfway decent. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can do that, uh, again, if it's 45 degrees or, or more, you're safe. Yep. And this weekend, we're looking at a god-awful high today of 51. This is horrible. I know it. Uh, tomorrow, I'm 63. thinking Hawaii very soon. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, Sunday, high of 74, so... Tomorrow's it's going to be a little chilly for those of you going to the K-State game, but
14: uh, we're going. Are you? No. 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 Come on, Jim. No. No. We're no, going to no. have chili at no. our at our uh, tailgate. Two kinds of chili. Uh, <clears throat> one will be the traditional chili that yeah. uh, that uh, uh, the Wolf Cools out Bereton Way make. That'll yeah. be the Wolf Cool chili. Uh, big family out there, and uh, then Annette's white chili. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that have a cholesterol problems, she does a a turkey meat chili that's with white beans and turkey meat. Oh boy. And it is uh it is good.
2: I know Nancy fixes a white uh, white chili. Mm-hmm. Fantastic.
14: Does she? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah.
4: Well yeah, Annette she... and I uh
14: every year uh yeah. as one of our special things at the greenhouse we'll have a, a chili cook off and people come in and vote for hers or they vote for mine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's always pretty close. Uh the women tend to like uh, hers a little bit better and, and the men tend to like mine a little bit better. Now, I don't make a really hot chili, but it's a, it's got a different flavor. Yeah. So. Nothing better than chili, I'll tell you. I love I it. can eat chili 12 months out of the year. In fact,
2: we do at home. <laughs> do you? We'll have chili in August. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's traditionally <laughs> a cool or a cold weather uh, uh-huh, right. staple, but not not for me. No, I can eat it anytime. So that's I love chili. You betcha. That's what we're doing. Okay, so for the chickweed henbit, we've got it again. Not a lot. Uh, last year, got rid of a lot of it, but mm-hmm. starting to see. Just
14: well, get out there. Little, t- uh, it's going to warm up over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be, what did you read in the paper, 65, 65?
2: Well, 60 tomorrow, uh, high in the low 50s today. It's yeah. just god-awful.
14: But it, the wind's it's going, not blowing. It's, it's yeah. not. A, it really feels not as too bad. Yeah. But anyway, would be a great time to take a look. Walk around out there and see about your, uh, if you see that coming up. I believe that if you're going to have any problem, you'll see it now. Yeah. So anyhow, that's what to do. We've got uh, all of the other things we start to say. Perennial uh, beds can be cleaned up now if you wish. Uh, there's two schools of thought on that. Some people leave the tops on the perennials and let them collect the leaves so that that provides your, your uh, winter winter. Uh, insulation for your plants. These are be perennials. Protects a little bit against freezing and thawing uh, as it insulates the soil so you don't have plants kind of heave out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you wish you can cut the tops back and lay them down around your plants and then also add some back to nature compost or mulch or something to, to keep that new going. Um, so it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, except that you do want to clean up, uh, for sure, peonies and iris. Mm-hmm. Those have died back to the ground. The iris and peonies can have some disease uh, problems that will get to their uh, uh, roots and insect problems. Iris can get bores if you don't clean them up, get them ready for next spring. So... And even we have a chemical, of course we have a chemical that you can put down, that would uh, a drench that you can put in the soil, that uh, the systemic systemic drench that would um, eliminate any uh, worry about uh, bores or any of that kind of stuff. Or we have a powder that you can just shake on. Okay, and you can do that now through... Now, yeah, you want to do that uh, now through whenever it snows. Okay. But enjoy the weekend out there. Just get a little bit of... Uh, uh, exercise and, and take it easy but enjoy what's going on and you still can plant some perennials the soil's warm enough and we're buy one get one free on perennials We'll be putting our perennials away in about a week or ten days whenever that weather turns really cold mm-hmm. which looks like it might be as as early as a week from uh, today uh, we're gonna we have our perennials buy one get one free it's our best sale of the season We just want to get the perennials out of there, whatever, ahead of having to move them. Mm-hmm. We need to, uh, uh, we'll put them away, of course, in, the, in one of our greenhouses. But, and then the you won't get them, buy one, get one free again. Uh, that's the way it is. Fall nursery clearance is going on. Great time to plant a tree uh, or shrubs or anything else. Mainly because you get root development still. Soil's warm enough to get root development. We've had a great fall. Just a great fall. And our fall nursery clearance is uh, 33% off. And if you buy five or more shrubs, it's half price. Or on trees, if you buy three or more, it's half price, 50% off. So uh, great bargains. I mean, the the nursery suppliers um, basically are desperate to sell trees. And we're getting better prices. And we're passing them right along. Um, We have a whole semi-load. A ball and burlap, beautiful trees coming in from Tennessee next week. I'm talking a full semi-load of trees coming in. So it's not like you're buying leftovers. This is freshly harvested stuff. But these nurseries need to move some product they're running out of room to uh, plant. You know, they just can't. They got to keep the pipeline full, assuming that there will be a recovery sometime. But it's backing up. So they're they're giving us deals, and so we're passing them on. Kind of an interesting time. I mean, there's
2: a A semi load of trucks getting it, or a semi load of trees.
14: Full semi load
2: coming in November. Wow, you're going to be moving a lot of trees.
14: I hope. I mean, I hope some people. (laughs) I hope we just don't uh, moving them just off the truck and under my lot. I'd like to move them out onto your, out onto people's. uh,
2: now, selection of trees, you're talking about what? What's going to be on the summer? Oh, seminar?
14: man, we've got red maples and sugar maples. We've got probably, I don't know, uh, probably 80 or 90. Mm-hmm. Just red maples and sugar maples of different kinds. We've got uh, uh, the pears, the ornamental pears, several varieties, uh, probably 50 or 60 of those. I mean, you can't get a lot of... I mean, you can't get a thousand trees on a semi-load because these are these are big trees. These are all inch and a quarter caliper, ball and burlap and above on up to three inch, uh, three and a half inch trees. We're talking instant shade here, but the instant the uh, the uh, inch and a quarter caliper trees um, half price. You're going to be be looking at only like eighty five bucks. I think they're hundred, and this is for name sugar and red maples these aren't just run of the mill trees these are patented named trees wow. like your October glory and red Sunset. and they're
2: coming in when
14: well they'll be dug uh, Monday or Tuesday and loaded on the semi so I expect I'll have them as we speak next week next as we're Friday. sitting here Thursday or Friday is what we're looking at if, they, if the Tennessee mountains down at McMinnville Tennessee don't get rained out this this weekend We'll talk about that next Friday, too. Okay.
2: And we've got a few minutes to go, folks, so stay tuned. Oh, by the way, something that I wanted to mention. At the close of uh, this show as well, we mentioned it at the beginning, and somebody I'm sure you're familiar with, Dave Jackson as well, Willis Ringan. Willis listens to this show on a regular basis, a customer of yours, I believe. (laughs) called me last night at home and uh informed me that Ralph Clark has passed away.
0: Ralph
14: did?
2: Ralph oh, from shoot. Vermillion. yeah. Yeah.
14: Okay. So I did
2: I did attempt to call his wife this morning Diana and I was unsuccessful. So uh, apparently according to Willis Ralph uh, Clark passed away the 27th of October. I assume the funeral's been held. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But as I get uh, details, folks, I'll certainly let you know. And for those of you that are longtime listeners of the show, uh, that used to be Ralph and Diana used to call from Vermilion. Right. And uh, very familiar voices, I'm sure, to many of you that are listening to the show that have been longtime listeners and just uh, hated to hear it. Nice, nice person. So I appreciate Willis filling us in on that. And we'll be back, folks. Stay tuned. More to come.
8: Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center Let Jackson put a big smile on your home Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time We're professionals and we're out to make it known We're your plant shopping center all the way Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today Residential or commercial, we're at your service Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best From roses, flowers, shrubs and trees To everything your garden needs Jackson says just come in, be our guest Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place We're your plant shopping center all the way At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day.
4: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer, too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org a special place on the internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
9: Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in Mid-America, but their frame selection is world class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top-of-the-line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lenore, Robert Mark, L.A. Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Foydenhaus, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka, or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear unique. Eyewear for life.
10: This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at
1: 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email Jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim.
2: Okay, we are back. Dave Here Jackson. we are. Yes, Jackson's we're back. Greenhouse and Garden Center. Hey, we are just uh, running way short of time. Your specials.
14: Well, we talked about it, the buy one, get one free on the yes, uh, perennials. We The fall nursery clearance, 33% off on trees and shrubs. If you buy more than five shrubs, it's 50% off. More than three trees, it's 50% off. The uh, shade trees. Same deal, thirty-three percent off the big. I'm talking the big ones out back. We talked about the semi, and the uh, we've got. I, last week we got another load of blue spruce in from Oregon, uh-huh. and they're uh, included in the sale price. As a matter of fact, we have some nice three and a half or so foot um, blue spruce, select blue spruce from Oregon for fifty nine ninety nine. A really special buy that. Uh, the nursery out in Oregon was uh, long on fruit trees, uh, 25% off or 33% off if you buy two or more. Uh, they don't carry quite the same discount because there's been a huge interest in fruit trees and the and the growers. Uh, fruit trees don't have a backlog; they're not discounting their trees.
2: Let's run through it real quick if we could, because I know you've got other specials you want to talk about. But getting into fruit trees, yes. When do you have to buy that second tree as far as cross pollination?
14: Well, whenever year you want a, a, a tree to bloom um, at a very young age, so for cross pollination, you have to have those flowers out there uh, um, at the same time, blooming at the same time, because the bees are going to carry that pollen across the other variety. So, um, if you don't want any apples on the tree that you buy this fall, only buy one. One apple or one variety. Then you'll right. have zero apples. Zero yeah. apples next yeah. year. But if you do, then you could buy one now and buy one early in the spring. And if they're together there within the, the 50 yard radius and blooming at the same time, you'll still have apples. You don't have to buy two at once. What if, if
2: I want. buy a Jonathan apple tree this fall? Next fall, I buy Red Delicious.
14: Then the apple fo- tree. following year, then you're going to have apples on both trees. You can cross pollinate a Jonathan with a Red
2: Delicious. Red Delicious, whatever.
14: Red Delicious is a pretty much a almost a common pollinator for nearly everything. Okay. Uh, because it's dead mid season. Now there's some very early apples that might not touch, and some very late apples that it might not touch. There's three seasons of apple trees, and Red Delicious is the one in the middle that blooms in the middle segment. So. So
2: when I come into Jackson, should I let you know that one apple tree? What it is?
14: Mm-hmm. For example, uh, in other words,
2: if I want to start producing apples, yeah, you need to know what tree I've got in my yard established already, right? Correct.
14: It would would not hurt. For example, a Granny Smith won't do a Wine Sap because Granny Smiths early Wine Sap, is late, um, they don't bloom at the same time.
6: Okay. Okay.
14: But it, if you get one that's a mid-season, it'll take care of early or late. Okay. Okay. Kind of the way it works. It's a, that's how apple trees work example, So the more information you can come in with
2: mm-hmm. to Jacksons, the better off you're going
14: to be. Just the better, the <laughs> yeah, the better. So there's help. no
2: fruit tree that you can buy, just a single tree? Oh, sure. Okay, oh, well, absolutely. That. Uh,
14: well, Red Delicious is semi-self-pollinating. Uh, okay. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. the single apple that you can uh, get fairly decent production without another one. All right. Peaches are self-pollinating. Mm-hmm. Apricots are self-pollinating. Nectarines are self-pollinating. And then beyond that, and and sour cherries, Montmorency, the pie cherries are self pollinating Sweet cherries need a pollinator. Pears, for the most part, need a pollinator, except for one one or two varieties. Uh, plums, um, some are self-pollinating, some need a pollinator. just kind of depends on what you're going with. Uh, pecan trees need a pollinator. That's a different kind. You have to have two different kinds of pecans get them to go.
2: Okay. Apricots. We really haven't spent any time talking about apricot trees.
14: That's because they bl- bloom kind of early and your your chances of apricots are basically one in four years oh, really? because the bloom gets knocked off before they pollinate. So that's a tree that the farther
2: south you go, the more success you're going to have then.
14: Correct. Or okay. in the more protected area that you can plant it in. Okay. Okay. Uh, And or uh, we'll see how this this frost proof works too. That may be a big help as well. Now that it's out there, I'll have to read the label a little bit closer to see if that helps with flowers staying on the tree.
2: Okay. But don't uh. But one out of four
14: years in this area for apricot production. What they say. Huh.
6: Okay.
14: Peaches are about every other year too. I mean, uh, some just. Some years you're lucky and have a great peach crop. Some years you're, you you get them and they get frozen off. Yeah. But apricot's are kind of risky. Okay. Very good. We've got about
2: 3 minutes. What else?
14: What else? I wanted to talk to you about Furlone for all seasons. You you know that product. This this you could mm-hmm. be putting that down now as well. Uh, because it does prevent crabgrass if you apply it now. Take care of crabgrass now and all the way through next year, uh, through uh, August of next year. Our statuary clearance is going on uh, in pots. 20, uh, statuary is 33 percent off. I bumped that up I guess. We have another uh, big load of statuary coming in the end of November and then another load in the uh, first week of December. So we need to move some out it would be good and 33% off on this Athens statuary which is already priced uh, at about roughly 33 to 50% lower than we'd been used used to see it on uh, the Henry statuary and the Mazzarelli uh, kind of equal quality uh, but way less expensive way less expensive and then we've got it marked down 33% so, nice statuary is affordable now.
2: What about your sixty-first and fairlong location open this weekend? Ah,
14: good question. We are open this weekend, closing Monday. Then the barn's not heated, um, and uh, so we're moving. Uh, we'll be moving out Monday.
2: But Fertile for all seasons, you have that?
14: Oh yeah, we have all of the products still there that you might need. Uh, then Monday, we'll we'll start moving it back to the greenhouse, the the trees and the shrubs and the and the product that's in the store. All we'll come back and we'll be. We'll not be manning that store this winter yet. This winter, because of course the county's told us we need to close it up until we get zoning to make Barry Beagle happy, and uh, plus we're not just. We're just not set to winter over there yet. Yeah. Okay. Very
2: good. So, I can run out to 61st and Fairlawn this weekend. Pick up for the long for all seasons. Okay. Sure can. Very good. That's what I'll be doing.
14: Okay, I'll make sure Adam has it out there for you.
2: Dave Jackson, we will see you next uh,
14: Friday. Correct. 10 o'clock. I can't think of anything else I'm going to be doing. I'm not going anywhere.
2: Yeah, you're you're not going to go anywhere until January. By the way, our last show of the season is going to be when?
14: Uh, I suppose that week before Christmas. Okay. Whatever. What are those dates? I haven't even got my uh, Uh,
2: calendar. It's going to be the 17th.
14: Right, because you don't have a show on Christmas Eve day. Yeah, I suppose.
2: so the 17th of December,
14: and then 26th Kona, here we come. Oh boy! Of December. Oh boy! Flying first class this year. Are oh you really? 40th wedding anniversary, and I had enough miles. Yeah. To fly one way to uh, Hawaii first class. Oh boy. But we've <coughs> always, always wanted to do that, so we're looking, <clears throat> looking forward to that trip. <clears throat>
2: In 40 years, well, that's quite a milestone. Can you imagine? You, you, you both that deserve that's putting
5: it. up with me that long. No. I just can't.
6: No. <laughs>
2: Dave, we will see you next Friday. All righty. Folks, have a wonderful weekend. I'll be back with you Monday morning again. Tim Renscher at 8, uh, Kevin Haskin at 9. Next Friday, uh, Dave Manili at 8, John Arnold, I think Tom Ruskin at 9, and, of course, Dave Jackson coming in at 10. Have a great weekend, folks. See you Monday. I'm Jim Cates you. <laughs>